Free Talk Live on a, another day of Freedom Fest interviews. These are uh, extras. We just couldn't fit them all in to the four days that we've uh, been here. And actually, we're recording this on Friday, so I don't even know how many more uh, folks we're going to be talking to. There could be quite a few. I don't know if we'll have a full show's worth or not, uh, but we might. We also have with us uh, Joe Quirk, who is with the Seasteading Institute. Welcome to Free Talk Live, Joe. Thanks for inviting me. It's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, pleasure to have you here. We've been following uh, Seasteading for quite a long time here on Free Talk Live. Uh, from some of the initial days, back when we had, what, Patry Friedman, I yeah. think, on, 2008 on the show? 2008 is going to be my guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll let you. I'll let you go ahead and tell everybody. So Seasteading is homesteading the high seas. The technology for floating independent nanonations is at hand. The first one has been built uh, in international waters. Uh, it costs less than the average American home. So this is our Kitty Hawk moment, and we can start scaling this up. And it seems we've uh, already provoked a government or two. Yeah, it yeah looks there's like- a bit of a bump in the waves, I guess you could say. Uh, earlier this year, was it, when a couple, three, two or three folks went outside of, was it Thailand? Uh, in yeah. international waters and set up the very first seastead? Yeah. So within weeks of me being on your show at Anarco Poco, boasting about how everything is just going great. Peachy, yeah. <laughs> right. You just announced it at that time, I yeah, think. Yeah. I basically announced it on your show. Um, they, My friends, uh, Chad and Nadia, lived on the seastead, romantic couple, for about two months. Uh, whereupon the uh, Thai Navy suddenly took exemption and went um, outside the territorial waters and basically confiscated the seastead. And now, char- they weren't on it at that time. They happened to they, be inland, They happened right? to flee just in time. Do we know um, what has happened to the seastead? The seastead has been dragged ashore, and it's being used as uh, evidence that... Uh, okay. But they haven't been officially charged with anything. Evidence but, of a plot to, uh, what was it, uh, destroy the sovereignty the of the, uh, the Thailand government? I, I guess so. You know, all I know is what the, <laughs> what the, what the press states... Uh, and there was a really terrifying manhunt. I mean, my friends are are safe. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they... They're no they, longer in Thailand, presumably. I don't know where they are. Really? Oh, wow. Um, but they, um, the, you know, they report to us and they're safe and they're yeah. going to continue moving forward. Uh, and hopefully we're going to build every, anywhere. Sovereignty in Thailand must be really dicey if uh, a, what effectively is a large shed on the water is uh, somehow threatening their, their sovereignty. Yeah, it's not even a large shed. It's about the size of a shed. You know, it's, it's a, hmm. 16 it's a, square meters? It's no, tiny. no, that can't be right. Something. Yeah. I don't know. It was a, yeah, the a size tiny of house. A, yeah, a, a tiny house, and it was a, a small place. Now, what distinguishes, say, a uh, seastead, as you guys are you're saying that's the first one, from, say, a catamaran? People live out on uh, the open water, or they live in ports on the water. They live in the water all the time. Yeah. So boats and catamarans are made to be moving through the water, uh, and that's what keeps it stable. And uh, they get things attached to it, barnacles and all sorts of things, and you have to bring your boat in every once in a while, dock it on land, raise it up, scrape it off. Mm-hmm. Yep, put it up on the, the hard, as they call it. Yeah. Dry dock So it. all these things that are a problem for boats are an asset for seastead. So a seastead would be permanently floating on the high sea. It would probably use deep ballast to keep it in one place or a great deal of width to keep it solid. Right, this shed that we were talking about, and I don't know what else to call it, and I'm sorry yeah. for calling it a shed, but it had this amazing 
bottle that uh, hung right. up underneath it that was partially filled with water and partially not filled. And it, what it did was hold this thing. It was a stabilizer. Some, yeah, stabilizer. And it held it some feet above the waves. Um, and basically, you could watch them with a glass of wine. Yep. Sitting on a table, and the waves would come. They show you the waves, and then they show you the glass of wine, and the glass of wine was basically unmoved. Now, um, you know, clearly in places where waves get higher, this technology would be stressed more, and it'd be, I'd be curious to see how it went. But this particular area in the world apparently never really saw high waves too often. Right. They don't often get more than two meters, but they demonstrated they can get significant stability in those kind of waves. And that's yeah. a lot of oceans where you can go as long as the waves don't get much higher than that. But the, the, the key is they brought the price point down to less than the cost of the average American home. They built this project, this pilot for $150,000. So now, you know, the engineers involved are like, well, if you want to go to higher waves, then you build this much deeper and this much stronger, right. and you can figure out the price. So we're off You've and running. we got a prototype now. Yeah, we've got a prototype. Yeah. Uh, so the, 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 the technology has can been Can they be attached together? They can be attached together. So there's a number of methods. I think they want to start out, you know, with about 20 forming a little village that are unattached. Okay. But the ultimate idea of seasteading is that people would attach and create a lot of stability. And if you don't like your community, instead of arguing about what politician you want to rule you, you just, you just vote detach. with your house, detach, go somewhere else and found your own little miniature nation. Right. You can, if, you, if you have good ideas, perhaps you can attract a few people to come hang out with you. If you've got bad ideas, well, then you should be by yourself. You keep your little bad ideas elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> Do you feel like, uh, you know, that more steps should be taken by the seasteaders researching the either friendliness or hostility of uh, the governments that are near them? Because this was a disaster in, in Thailand. Well, it was a disaster for the temporarily for the individuals involved, but right. it was a huge boon for seasteading in general. You got some publicity out of it. Tons of publicity, and it sparked a debate, an international debate. You know, the Thai Navy took pictures of themselves pointing cannons at this tiny little <laughs> house with this couple in love living on it. Yep. I mean, it's just wow. ridiculous. And now, you know, the, in, in the Caribbean, they're, they're publishing uh, reports like, well, maybe seasteading could be good for Caribbean countries. You know, really? the, the, the debate has begun. Well, right. Uh, I mean, the, the more people that are located off offshore, the more people are going to come into that country to buy things, right? Because you're not going to be able to catch. You're not going to live off of all fish, right? right. You're going to have something else. Right. A nation really wants people that are going to come and avail themselves of their sort of uh, their commerce, and at the same time, not ask for any cert, quote unquote services, governmental right. services, like welfare in the process. Um, so a seastead's perfect for many of these places. That yeah, hey, you want to come in and buy some fish and some coconuts? By all means get on over here. Mm. Right. Outside of uh, existing regulatory structures of, of, of countries. And I'm just completing a documentary right now about a mussel farm that's located just outside California waters in uh, federal waters and is prospering tremendously. I mean, it's an amazing story. This is just one small wow. step to seasteading. How do they survive outside of the, uh, the, the, the with, with all the services that the state provides? <laughs> they do quite well. <laughs> they wow. do quite well for themselves. You, are you telling me that you think that perhaps governments keep us back as far as prosperity goes? That maybe that they subsidize the, uh, the least productive in our um, cultures and they drag down the most productive? And when I have a, uh, uh, an innovation from 2020... And it's held back by a regulation written in 1970. We really have a problem. Mm -hmm. So um, some of the most innovative uh, aquaculture farmers, medical researchers are reaching out to us saying, where's Madame Seastead? Wow. 
That's exciting. So there could be some big money that gets behind this at some point. Oh, I think so. I think so, especially something like a floating hospital. The, Not pr- subject to any regulatory control? Wow, that's like that's mind-blowing. Yes, Do we sir. have some idea what a ho- floating hospital will look like? Because at this point, we've floated a shed. What would it, the ho- floating hospital look like? Bigger. A lot it, bigger. It would have to be a lot bigger. I, I, that part I got. <laughs> would it would, would require more of these? Uh, what, what's the terminology for the floating bottle thing? Spar? Spar. Would it have more spars um, on one connected thing? Or would there be like rope bridges in between sparred things? I don't even know what I'm thinking about here. Yeah, it depends on the height of the waves. And there's two ways to create stability. One is to go deep with that spar. The other one is to go very, very wide, mm-hmm. you know, longer than the period of the wave. And you can create a lot of stability that way. Yeah. So there's, there's different ways to do this. This is why large yachts don't tend to feel the water the same way that rowboats do. Mm. Yeah. But consider that Devi Shetty, um, Mother Teresa's former heart surgeon called the Henry Ford of Healthcare, was quoted in the Economic Times saying, the best place to have a hospital is floating offshore an existing American city. Wow. And given that he doesn't have that, he's, he's built a health city in the Cayman Islands okay. to catch the rising waves of people frustrated with uh, Obamacare or whatever. Um, so there is huge demand for regulatory startups in the world, and Seasteaders plan to provide them. Um, I, what are some of the other industries that, besides medicine, which I, I can totally see how that would be huge? And I know saying besides medicine, I mean, for goodness sake, if it was just medicine, that'd be great. But what, um, you know, what other ways can people benefit from seasteading? Do you want to stick with us and answer that question? Come sure. up here in a moment. We'll do another segment coming up with uh, Joe Quirk. You can go to seasteading.org to learn more about the idea of uh, creating communities outside of the reach well, at least in theory, so far, of uh, the, the governments. Except for the Thai government. <laughs> right. So we're going to continue here from Freedom Fest 2019. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're still here at Freedom Fest, still talking to interesting folks. Got Joe Quirk with us. From the Seasteading Institute at seasteading.org. You know, if you're going out to uh, the middle of the ocean, you still got to brush your teeth, right, Mark? Wherever you take your teeth, you're going to need to brush them. I don't care if you're in outer space or whether you're uh, on the ocean or you're at your home. And My Magic Mud makes oral health generally better. So it's a black tooth powder made of charcoalized coconut shells and bentonite clay. And, you know, I, I, I've heard of hokey uh, solutions and these sorts of things in the past. I've used my magic mud for more than half a decade, and I haven't been without their products in my home since I first tried them. And the reason is is because I... All I had to do was use it for four days to know that, A, it, it you know it does what it says it's going to do. It whitens teeth. It's clinically proven to. But, B, it also got my teeth cleaner than anything I'd ever brushed my teeth with before. Now, it's not recommended that you use My Magic Mud every day. You don't need to. Um, one tub ought to last you something like six months. You use it every four to seven days after you use it the initial uh, four days, uh, every day for four days. And your teeth will be as white as they're supposed to be. And I believe you'll experience cleaner feeling teeth, like the kind of teeth you feel when you leave the dentist's office after having it a tooth cleaning. That's how I feel. That's my experience. And you can get My Magic Mud at most major health food stores, Sprouts, CVS, Natural Grocers, Walmart's Natural Beauty Isle, Amazon. And if you go to MyMagicMud.com, you can use coupon code FTL20 and save 20% off their already low price. My Magic Mud 
Facebook.com, coupon code FTL20. If you listen to one thing I say here on Free Talk Live, it's that My Magic Mud is a, a great product that I won't live without. MyMagicMud.com, coupon code FTL20. Joe Quirk is with us from Seasteading.org. Mark, you had just asked Joe about some of the other industries uh, that might be interesting. We, we talked about how uh, the healthcare industry could be revolutionized uh, by Seasteading, the idea of having uh, independent not nations, but independent individuals out in the sea connecting to one another and, and living. But what about industry? The uh, hospitals could be built out uh, outside of governmental jurisdictions, which means they wouldn't be under the restrictions of the FDA or the you know fill-in-the-blank DEA, the various different uh, agencies. What else could be affected by this? The algae and seaweed industry. Uh, not many people know that algae products are in conventional toothpaste. Mm-hmm. We eat algae every day. It's in our toothpaste. It's in our beer. It's in our peanut butter. If you had a it's slice in a sushi. Of, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you had um, a, a slice of bread, the uh, algae was probably in the fertilizers used to grow the wheat. Um, so sea sitters have a plan for scaling up vast seaweed farms on the ocean. And many people don't that know. Can't even be, that can't be difficult. Most of the ocean doesn't grow seaweed. Most of the ocean doesn't have fish in it. Most of the ocean is just vacant, like space. And you've got to be able to find some place that's the right depth for a large enough area, plant some seaweed, and start farming. Yeah, but most of the ocean is a desert. And there's a long-term view among some of the seasteader guys I feature in my book that they could replace corn, wheat, and soy, which take up vast amount of land, are not that healthy and nutrients. for you. And this is really, really important, Joe. So what are we doing with nutrients? We're digging them out of the ground. We're dropping them into the soil. We're growing things with them. Maybe the nutrients we put in the soil. Now, um, corn is greedy as it could possibly be. It's a very greedy uh, plant. So it uses all this stuff. We do what we can to get the nutrients back out of the stalks and, and that sort of thing, grind it up or whatever. But a lot of this stuff, um, you know, it's just been put on the land, it washes out, it goes down the Mississippi River, it sits out there in this large dead area the size of New Jersey, they call it like a dead zone or something, and uh, it you know, basically kills all life in that particular area. And that's fine. We're getting to the point where we can get um, out to some ocean farming. What's great about the ocean farming is the ocean is where the nutrients have been going for millennia. I mean, that's just the rocks deteriorate. The minerals are in the rocks. The rocks, you know, the the minerals go down and the streams, the the brooks, the streams, the rivers um, and out into the ocean. And then that's where they sit. And they're basically, you, you know, not exploited, not used by humans in any way, shape or form. Yes, and I I wrote a whole book about dead zones and how nutrient runoff from farms and all our pooping just creates these vast zones of death. And you are a sciencey guy, right? I'm a sciencey guy. Yeah, you've got got books ahead of time before you ever found seasteading. Yeah, Yeah. I write populist science books. I've also written novels. So I I don't look foolish at all having given my crap little uh, pop science to the guy who actually does this stuff for a living. No, you nailed it. You described (laughs) it perfectly. Okay, good. So, yes... um, First so of all, seaweed is a much better product for us to be eating when you're looking for those, uh, you know, those fillers, those carbs, um, those, those sorts of things that you 
I mean, humans are going to eat these things. Is all we're talking about is slight diet changes. If anybody's had, um, I don't know, we use a product at my house called a Gimme, and it's just these little wafers of seaweed, um, and they're flavored. They're either sesame seed oil or wasabi or and a whole variety of them, and they're just, I eat them instead of chips. Why? Because Ruffles brand potato chips, as delicious as they are, are going to make me fat. The uh, seaweed is going to do that less so. Yes, seaweed is one of the most nutritious plants in the world. All sorts of them have, there's like 8,000 species that have been counted that are edible, none of which have undergone the selection process that has made corn, wheat, and soy. So selection is humans intervening to make what was a tiny little grain called corn into this giant ear. Yeah, with very little nutritive value. By the way, if you're digging in your backyard, don't look for gold to blooms. Look for seed corn. You will be the most famous person of your decade if you can find 300-year-old Indian seed corn. <laughs> and if you can make a, a, a seaweed farm off the coast of one of these dead zones, you can absorb that nutrient pollution. And you mm. actually have an environmentally restorative farm. And what you said actually is, is very perceptive. It's, it, people don't I know this. I super genius. Well, I'll just say you're a regular genius. <laughs> <laughs> Wiley Coyote was the super genius. <laughs> I just love that guy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, and so all the nutrients that go into the ocean, they sink down below where photosynthesis can reach. So, like, the elixir of life has been sinking to the bottom of the ocean for millions of years. Right. And the places where the oceans are the most productive are where there's the most life are less than one-tenth of one percent of the oceans because it's places where you get upwellings, where it strikes a rock and it comes up and it supports these ecosystems. Right. Because these little places where all this... Did you say one percent or one-tenth of one percent? One-tenth of one percent. So this is sort of the coral reefs. Yes, places like that. Or the coasts. Right. Where the, where the waves hit, and then they drive up all this nutrient, yeah. and then they support all these ecosystems, even right. in Antarctica, where there shouldn't be any life. So seasteaders propose if you have ocean thermal energy conversion, which requires a thousand-foot pipe set, sent down into the depths okay. in order to run this uh, energy, which would basically using the ocean as a solar panel, you could draw up all these nutrients, and you could create vast uh, uh, gardens and farms in the deserts of the ocean. These would absorb carbonic acid from the ocean. These would absorb nutrients, and you could just have more life growing on the ocean. So are we talking about growing seaweed, or you're talking about growing sort of traditional uh, grains? Seaweed, growing okay. seaweed farms, right. but you could also grow. The nice thing anything. about seaweed is, is it this is its environment, right? Yes. So you don't have to do anything special. You don't have to treat these nutrients that you drag up because, I mean, salt water. You can't drink this stuff. You guys want to keep this going? I really enjoy talking to Joe. I'm sorry. Do you want to keep? Yes. Do you want to yep, keep it going? Yep, yep, I'm yep. just fascinating. Okay, more coming up here with uh, <laughs> with Joe Quirk from Seasteading, the Seasteading Institute. Go to seasteading.org as we continue here from Freedom Fest 2019 on Free Talk Live. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com. It's free 
Talk Live. We're at Freedom Fest 2019 for a bonus day of content. How much of it? We don't even know how we're gonna, how much we're going to have. We have no idea. We're, we'll find out. We'll see if it goes for a whole show. Uh, we're talk show hosts. So we talk. Yeah, we just we're just going for it. In fact, uh, if we keep going with Joe Quirk, it might be uh, all Joe Quirk here on on this episode because uh, you know seasteading is a very deep issue. <laughs> so as we continue, There's the Ian joke for the month. It's so nice to hear it. Dot org. I'd like to be able to be there for it. Uh, go ahead there, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I want to tell you about McIlvaney ICA. And as you know, as far as investing goes, gold has definitely been on the move recently, and it's historically known to be the most secure investment. And McIlvaney ICA has a free report that you can download if you'd like to learn more about investing in precious metals. The, the report is called The Six Advantages of Adding Precious Metals to Your IRA and How You Can Double Your Ounces. McIlvaney um, has a, uh, an amazing new idea in how to increase your metals holdings without you just putting more money in. You can get it online at icagoldsilver.com. ICAGoldSilver.com. McIlvaney ICA is also offering a free portfolio uh, review. They're America's foremost precious metal advisors, and they've been doing this since 1972. ICA pioneered and practices leading strategies for compounding ounces. They've been helping people take delivery of precious metals with both domestic and international fine storage options for decades. They've uh, helped thousands of investors with their precious metal IRA. So, there's a lot there, right? IRAs, uh, offshore storage, and compounding your ounces. Call ICA today for your free portfolio review at 800-525-9556. 800-525-9556. Or download their free report online at icagoldsilver.com. So, uh, you guys were getting deeper into the issue of uh, seasteading with. Uh, you were talking about you know some of the different industries uh, that could be benefited by having these offshore uh, platforms right. people and could live on. We did really, uh, really sort of thorough analysis of uh, health and uh, seaweed and farming, uh, really important. And these are great ways that sort of humanity can benefit in the future. I'm just wondering, Joe, is uh, how do we transition humans from this land-based primate that eats, um, you know, soy, corn, and potatoes to a sea-based primate that eats seaweed. We're, yeah, we're already transitioning there because okay. I talked about how there's all these seaweed products in the foods we already it's eat. It's true. You're right. We need to just go all the way, man. And it's like the limiting factor on growing f- corn on land is how much land space do you get and where are you going to get your fresh water? But I uh, keep, I keep, they keep telling me, the government tells me we're running out of fish. Well, that's another aspect of the book we've got to talk about, which is why are we running out of fish? Because we're hunting fish. It's the same reason we ran out of buffalo in North America. The fish farms are not running out of fish. The fish farms are not running out of fish. And featured in the book is an aquapreneur named Neil Sims who has these (laughs) floating buckyball-shaped floating fish farms that school with the the fish. So the fish move (laughs) around in giant eddies on the ocean, and these giant fish cages float around with it. The fish have no detectable mercury, excellent uh, uh, fats on the fish. How no do you, how's parasites. it feed them? Uh, uh, a combination of soy and algae. 
So he like uh, there's a GPS on the, a the, GPS. the cage, and you he goes it. out there. He feeds his fish, and then uh, back inside, and, and everything's fine. Yeah, untethered, free floating, and they have no predators. And it's important to point out that 99.9 percent of the ocean is unoccupied. Um, like there's not, you know, this isn't where the reefs and all this other stuff is. This is they're not even in competition with anything out there. Maybe yeah. they'll maybe his uh, his cage will get hit by a great white or a, an orca just to see what the heck's thing uh, going on with it. But even if it does and the cage breaks, it's not my problem. I don't have to pay for it. That's his. Right. And um, absolutely, fish farming is the way of the future. When you're ta- what you're talking about is the. Um, sort of the, the the problem with anything that goes on on public property. The reason that p- people carve their initials into park benches is they don't own the park bench. They don't do that at home. Their mama would stick a fork in their eye, right? right? <laughs> you know, if you carved your name right in the middle of your, your dining room table, I mean, your dad would beat the hell out of you. Um, but, you know, a park bench, yeah, big whoop. I don't own it. Well, this is the same thing as, as hunting the buffalo. The buffalo were extinct because they wanted to get rid of them. They considered them pests or whatever. And, you know, they, I don't even know that they necessarily ate the meat all the time. But they got hunted down because nobody owned them. Yes, and Neil Sims points this out. The oceans is a giant commons. Nobody has any incentive to preserve the fish that's out there. It's a, it's a giant free-for-all where you're trying to get as much fish as quickly as you can. And lo and behold, 90% of the large fish in the oceans have been fished out of the oceans. So we've got to stop hunting fish and start farming them. You know, cows have done quite well on land since we started farming. Right. There's no, there, mm-hmm. no one has ever talked about the chicken becoming extinct. Right. That's right. So, And the fish, it's way better on the ocean because it's environmentally sound. And Neil always talks about this, that, you know, on the western frontier of the U.S., first came the farms, then came the towns, then came the cities. Once you Mm. have the economic incentive... And the industry that is genius. out there. God, that's genius. So first will come <laughs> the farms, and then um, so the people will, will do these fish farms. And then what's the next vision from there? And then you need permanent platforms so people can live out there. And then it scales up, and then you have and your have giant those seaweed farms. Yeah. You have, you have, at this point, a prototype of these little huts. And the hope is, is that we're going to have soon offshore, um, say, 13 miles uh, medical facilities where people can go outside of you know, the United States jurisdiction and outside of uh, the ACA and outside of all these uh, problems that we see in medical here in the United States and suddenly just get some free market health care. That would be marvelous. Yeah, and then, this is starting to sound more real than, uh, than it ever has. Yeah, well, uh, Joe's been working on this for... Why? How long have you been involved in the seasteading? More than half a decade. Six years. Six yeah. years? Wow. Right. And um, before you was, what, Patry Friedman, Milton Friedman's grand, uh, grandson. And, uh, you know, this idea is becoming mature. Uh, who with, Are you working with organizations? How many out there are you working with to sort of create these things? Well, the seasteading institute has managed to inspire, like, four companies at this point that are trying to make seasteads. One of them is Ocean Builders that actually built one. Yep. And is now designing the next ones. The leading Aquatect is designing the next ones. I've seen the images. They are gorgeous. I can't wait to release them to the public. There's also something called Ventive Float House, which is sort of like a pill-shaped structure that'd be very heavy. Made of concrete. Concrete. A geopolymer concrete, which is carbon negative. Like the Romans built with that is still uh, 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 still there, what, 2,500 years later in some yes. cases. He's extensively uh, researched yeah, Roman probably concrete. Probably 2,000. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. My, the math was growing in my head. I stopped listening. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing concrete, and they're they're working on, on some stuff. Is uh, do, they, do they have just house-sized things? How big are these uh, units? It would be about house-sized, and the idea is to get started in the Bay Area. 
where uh, per square footage to like have an apartment or a home is so expensive, you could float these on the bay and actually beat the price point, and then start testing what you need for them to be stable in waves, and then start moving them out onto the sea. And then there's a Singaporean company called On Hand Agrarian, which is making reef blocks that require uh, recycled plastic to be inside it to float better. Ah, so you good. can actually use plastic. Uh, it's finally something to do with all the plastic garbage that's being dumped into the Pacific Ocean, yes. largely the Pacific. And these naturally would grow reefs on them, and he wants to test them in Singapore's uh, bays, in the waves there. As ships come in, they create these big waves, then float them out onto the equator and, and set them up permanently. Why the equator? The equator is where seas are calm, where mm. hurricanes don't cross, and where you have really warm, calm waters. Ideal place to start seasteading. Awesome. Huh. Super Sounds exciting. Warm. So what's next for seasteading? What's next is to find a host nation willing to legislate the sea zone, which is the next step beyond the special economic zone. Mm-hmm. Special economic zones, more than 4,000 of them have created prosperity all over the world. Right. Countries, 70% Decades. of the countries have allowed them inside them. There's 276 of these type of things in the U.S. People don't know this. So there's a bottom-up, inside-out revolution in governance happening all over the world. Can you tell me about some of the special economic zones in the United States? I, I, you know, give, give me some idea of what we're talking about here. They're basically uh, little jurisdictions, little legal islands inside the country that are considered foreign soil so that you could have a special airport here with this special little rule. There is, it's like anything that evolves. It's like as diverse as all the species there are. How do I get one? I really need one. I want to be considered foreign soil. You can set up your, <laughs> if you're, you know, you can make an appeal to whatever jurisdiction you're in, saying, hey, I could bring in more tax money for you if you lower my taxes. Oh, i got to talk to government. Check out more over at seasteading.org. Joe Quirk, thanks for joining us here once again on Free Talk Live. we got more on the way from Freedom Fest 2019. It's Free Talk Live. We continue with more interviews from Freedom Fest 2019, long after the show is actually over. It ended on Saturday, um, and we're still here talking to people because uh, it's actually still Friday while we are recording this. Uh, it's Ian and Mark here in our remote studio, although things are kind of wrapping out for the uh, the vendor area. Penn Gillette will be coming on stage here shortly, uh, which, of course, we're looking forward to seeing that. He's always entertaining. Uh, so that's on the way here as we're in real time recording this on Friday. Anyway, I uh, want to say thank you to our Free Talk Live amplifiers. And I've been remiss over the past couple of days in uh, in mentioning them. We like to do one per day. Um, I want to say thanks to Rapture, who is a Free Talk Live silver amplifier, meaning Rapture gives $5 a month, which is what we ask uh, on the AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And it's a way for you to help back us up to support what we do here on Free Talk Live. It's the honor system. You just, you know, sign up and to help us out. The honor system. How is yeah. that the honor system? Well, when you have, uh, say, a cup of coffee uh, yeah. from, a, you know, seeing they got a little cup where you can put some money. Right. Right. The, the expectation is you put some money in, in the cup. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're talking about how we give the show away for free yeah. and then people who want to support us can do that. Gotcha. Uh, so, anyway, thank you uh, to, uh, to Rapture for that. We've got it over at amp.freetalklive.com. If you'd like to join, you can do that with, uh, you can do it with PayPal, you can do it with credit card, you can do it with Bitcoin, BTC, over at amp, A-M-P, amp.freetalklive.com. you get some cool perks as well. So, we continue here. Uh, gentleman with us now, Paul Dykwitz from 
an author of Holy Smokes. What's the rest of the, the title, Paul? Holy Smokes, Golden Guidance from Notre Dame's Championship Chaplain. It's got a forward by Lou Holtz, a front cover endorsement by Joe Montana, and it's just full with great stories about how to live better. Are you the chaplain in question? I am not. I did interview him. He was noted for giving great advice for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is you had a lot of people who had struggles like the rest of us do. Sure, it's but, college. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All kinds of troubles. No question about that. Uh, so you, he was sort of the go-to guy for so many people when they really had challenges. He was distinctive among clergymen because he was late to go to, into the religious life as a vocation. Hmm. He was a, a very successful salesman, uh, treated people well, but he learned how to listen very effectively and then talk when he needed to talk in a persuasive and compelling way with, with good advice. So he was uh, very skilled in listening and in speaking motivationally before he became a clergyman at the age of 39. Listening takes practice, doesn't it? It, it certainly does, and he proved that. And So what happened is that it was uh, people like Joe Montana, Joe Theismann, Reggie Brooks, Rocket Ishmael, and so many others giving me their favorite stories about how he helped guide their path through Notre Dame. And then there were coaches as well who really leaned on him, from Lou Holtz who did the forward to uh, Digger Phelps, Air Parsegian, the late, great, legendary football coach. Dick Vitale, the broadcaster, had a couple daughters go to school and play tennis there. That's a beautiful, baby. Quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> and in fact, he gave me a really nice endorsement for the book. Uh, uh, th- uh, this book is ready for prime time, baby. That's Buy right. this book, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so give us some examples. What is some of the uh, the wisdom that uh, folks are going to find in here? You, you know, the, the chapters are just full of very entertaining and compelling stories. And my standard was to have excellence in every page. If I didn't feel a story was, was excellent in, in some way, it didn't make the cut or mm-hmm. I had to make it better. So th- the folk book focused on chapters like a build a foundation foundation, strengthen your support system, share a sense of humor. He was just really funny and would share that, but he was also sort of curmudgeonly, so it was kind of a dry sense of humor at times. Uh, you know, uh, also find fulfillment by helping others. Exert effort to overcome obstacles. Joe Montana and Rudy from the movie Rudy were key sources there. Both went through rough times at Notre Dame, even though Joe Montana ultimately won a national title there. And, and you had other, story, other things like, you know, build, develop a spiritual life and live to leave a legacy. That's the last chapter, and it's very powerful because at the later stages of his life, he lost both of his legs to diabetes. Jeez. But he was still giving powerful blessings that made a huge difference to people. And there's some emotional stories that will touch your heart, if not bring tears to your eyes, because of the difference he was making even as he was coming to the last parts of his life. Now, had you uh, done, uh, you know, have you been an author for a period of time, or is this your first book? How many other books? That's my first general general circulation Mm -hmm. book. I'm actually working on a proposal for another book that'll be inspirational, motivational, and I think that'll get a lot of traction. And then I I do, uh, in my day job, I'm an editor of financial publications, and we track what's happening in the markets. We track policy issues, and and then we try to give people good recommendations about what they do. So I do an investment column every Tuesday that's posted on stockinvestor.com. So how did you uh, find the chaplain to be uh, you know, inspirational to you, or how did you find the story? That's a great question. I was interviewing Coach Jerry Faust, who had been a really devout uh, Christian, and he wasn't known for winning uh, you know, great championships at Notre Dame. He was a good coach but, and a winning coach, but not winning to the extent that Notre Dame's legendary coaches do. So, I hear you take the ball and run it down the middle. Uh, that, well, that's true. But now, now, what he did, though, that was great is he, he earned my respect because he never threw anybody else under the bus. If there was a problem with the program or they lost a game, it was on him. Hmm. And, you know, one time uh, there's a really dramatic story about a kicker named Harry Oliver 
who kicked a last-second field goal against Michigan that was really beyond his range from what everybody who watched him regularly thought he could do. But on that given day, he basically uh, uh, he was a daily communicant. He would go to church every day, and they needed to send him out there. The person who would normally do long kicks had been, had been injured. So he went out there and made it by three inches. And so if, wow. you, if you believe in the Holy Trinity and you think the number three is special, that, that certainly was a special difference. And so what <laughs> Might happened, have just been the power of prayer. <laughs> it, it, it could have been. I, I had people quoted who were there saying they thought the whole stadium of Notre Dame fans was, was praying, and it was a home game for Notre Dame, and uh, that may, might have made the difference. So what happened is Coach Faust was listening to that game uh, with his high school team at Moeller. He was a very successful national championship caliber coach at, at Moeller High School in Cincinnati. And then I think it was the very next year he became the Notre Dame coach. They made the rare move of bringing in a very successful high school coach and made him a head coach at Notre Dame. So he never became a great winner. But Coach Faust recommended I, I talk about, write about this chaplain when I, when I spoke to him. And among all the clergymen he ever knew, and he knew many, many because he was very devout. So this became an extraordinary recommendation. And as I got to interview the chaplain and people who were helped by him, it was just a labor of love trying to gather all these sp- stories. Sometimes you don't know the difference you make in life, but in this mm-hmm, case sure. I tried tracking down the difference he made in life of people who you might know. So it's just not one of the three of us who might not be a household name, but many people were very prominent who raved about him. And I think it adds a little bit more clout just because they're, they're named well, well-known people. So some students were going to set fire to a college uh, building. Yes. When, no, when he was at Notre Dame in the Vietnam era, he, he had really the toughest job on campus, which was the head of discipline. And st- students were going bonkers across the country at various campuses, and they were causing problems, and sometimes they were vi- creating violence. And so every president in an Ivy League school during that era lost their job. And what happened at Notre Dame is he, Father Reilly, and Father Hesburgh created what was known as a 15-minute rule, where if students were getting out of hand and causing disruption in the academic atmosphere for other students, they were told to cease and desist and had 15 minutes to do it. Otherwise, they were subject to suspension and expulsion. So they were allowed to protest. 15 or 50? 15, one five. So they had a, a bit of time, more than just five minutes to think about it. But if they wanted to push it to the limit, they would sit, suffer a further uh, penalty. Okay. And then they had to enforce it. And so he, he did. He was good at enforcing it. But it, it turned out, even though he was tough and gruff on the outside, he hated the job. And he was mm-hmm. really a softie. So his assistant was telling me that even though that he would punish people and give them whatever punishment was required by the, book, the code of, book, uh, code of, um, you know, the code of honor, he would still feel very badly and sometimes come to tears having to punish people or suspend them or kick them out of school, knowing the ramifications it could have on their future and their life right there at that moment. So what happened with this uh, situation where the students were trying to burn down this building? That's a great story because he caught wind of it. He had good intelligence from other students who were there. And so he realized what was going to happen, and he had arranged for two students to match up with every student protester who came in with buckets of fire and buckets of gasoline, one in each hand. That sounds like a really bad thing to get that close together. <laughs> it, it sounds incendiary, incendiary and, it, and it really was. So what happened is they were doing it near a lake that was mm-hmm. on campus. 
And so as those students came up with these you know, flammable materials, they were basically having the materials removed from them by students who were on each side. And I'm, I'm sure Father really knowing athletes and having affiliation with the sports program probably got some some pretty big boys to help with that yeah. episode. So what they did is they took the other students who are the protesters who wanted to burn down the ROTC building and swung them one, two, three, into the lake, one after the next. Mm-hmm. So they got a, a chilly cool wake off. up. They, they, yeah. they got they're, 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 the heated students got cooled off very quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, war uh, sucks, but burning down college buildings isn't going it's to not uh, solve the Vietnam that's War. That's not going to be an answer. <laughs> yeah. So you have, uh, I don't think you've named this uh, this father as you've been talking father about. Father James Really. Now, it's spelled, it's pronounced R-E-A-L-L-Y, but it's actually R-I-E-H-L-E. Ah, okay. And it, uh, you, you can see uh, more details about him and more endorsements about the book on my book website, which is Holy Smokes book.com. Check out uh, Paul Dykwitz, Holy Smokes, uh, book.com. Hey, thanks for coming on Free Talk Live My here with pleasure. us today. As we continue with more from Freedom Fest 2019, we got bonus interviews here, and uh, there's more coming up on Free Talk Live. Hey, everyone. This is Charlie Shrem. You've seen me on the Netflix documentary, Banking on Bitcoin, and the new best-selling book, Bitcoin Billionaires. I want to invite you to join me on my new show, Untold Stories, for a deep dive into crypto history with the people who made that history. Together, we'll explore the personalities and events that gave rise to Bitcoin and the crypto revolution, the innovation, the collaboration, the battles, and the busts. You'll have a front row seat to the early days of crypto up to today, and you'll hear from the folks who lived through it and survived to drive this movement mainstream. Untold Stories looks back to reveal what inspired some of the greatest minds on Earth to come together to create this technology and change the future for everyone. So join me and my guests, the techies and the traders, the entrepreneurs and the innovators, as we explore our past and understand what that means for the future. Listen now on UntoldStories.com. That's UntoldStories.com. Freedom Fest 2019, doing some bonus interviews just because there's way too much content to pack into all four days uh, here at Freedom Fest. You can go to freedomfest.com to learn more about the event as uh, we continue. And uh, gentlemen just walked up to the table here, Mark, as we were finishing our previous interview and handed us, and I'm going to want to look at these again here because they are beautiful, the Utah Goldback. Right, instead of a greenback, it's goldback. Right, which is an actual physical currency. Uh, it's got that, gold in it. That appears to have gold in it. it I'm, I'm persuaded this does appear to be, it looks like one one hundredth of a troy ounce of gold with a, uh, and then also a one two hundredth of a troy ounce of gold. Jeremy Corden is with us. Jeremy, welcome. Are you the CEO, founder? Tell me what this is about. I, I'm one of the founders. Mm-hmm. So the Utah Goldback is one one thousandth of an ounce of gold, and it is the world's first $2.50 gold product. You know, we've had this problem for all of human history where um, you can't really use gold to buy small things, right? That's you know? right. And this, this is from, you know, the dawn of time, right? right? So if you wanted to use gold to buy something, you're buying property, or you're going to the money changers and you're changing it for silver 
or copper, or when you get more advanced, you have a silver, copper, gold standard, you know, think copper penny, silver dollar, mm-hmm. right. $20 gold piece. We've had to do that because gold's never been good for small transactions. And the Utah Gold Back uses the powers of capitalism to shatter that. <laughs> Because with a thousandth of an ounce, with a very, very low premium, we've been working on the process for a decade getting it to a low premium. Really? Well, it used to be if you buy a thousandth of an ounce, you're looking at a 500, 600% premium. Right, because there's a lot of uh, process involved in making these things, I imagine. I mean, it, these are very beautiful notes. This has to be expensive. It's, it's cheaper than it used to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, so we were able to do the one gold back for $2.50. So okay. it's ideal for buying a dozen eggs or a loaf of bread. And in that way, uh, it's very world-changing. And we've taken this we've taken this to Utah to do a local currency in the state. And we've, we're signing up hundreds of businesses in the state of Utah wow. to accept the gold back as currency. We've got a 1, a 5, a 10, a 25, and a 50. So unlike, say, a United States uh, silver certificate... Uh, which uh, used to exist, where you could take this piece of paper uh, given out by the federal government and go get a certain amount of silver. This contains the precious metal in it. Yes. Right there. Right. Because the gold standard or the silver standard was really just a... It's a fancy way of saying we got your gold somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody here, else here, has here, your money. Here's a receipt. You use these receipts. They're kind of like sound money. And don't worry, we got this big old fancy, you know, lockbox somewhere. And... Um, you know, I think people really, really love, or the, a lot of people want the gold standard back because they love sound money. Right. When, you know, in reality, the gold standard was a disappointment in the sense that if you have a silver certificate today, every silver certificate is a broken promise. Right. It is. You cannot turn that in for uh, silver. And if you, have a, if you have a coin from ancient Athens, 2,000 years later, those are still worth something. And they've right. been worth something the entire time, and that's what we've created with the gold back. The gold back is a currency that cannot and will never go to zero. Tell me about um, the businesses here. So you said you've got hundreds of businesses that have signed up already? Yes. So we're going to be... Are these circulating now? (laughs) So we're kind of doing a sneak peek for Freedom Fest. The Mm -hmm. ones and fives that I showed you are the very first ones printed. Wow. Um, You know, or they're among the first ones printed. You know, we're selling a few of them here. We're limiting people to like $100. We're going to be going to farmer's markets all over the state of Utah, and we're going to be going to kind of small, you know, events throughout Utah. And the very end of September, we're going to unveil the list of business owners that are willing to accept the gold back as a prepaid access currency system. Um, And so far, I'll tell you, we have insurance companies. We have grocery stores. We have car dealerships. We have hardware stores. We have, you know... Every type of business you can imagine, I, I tell people the only one that we haven't signed up yet is a gas station, but we're signing up on average three or four a day. And um, So is this Utah-wide or is, is it... Utah-wide. Okay. Utah-wide. Do, do you think this is because of the Mormon history in Utah, that the people in Utah may be a little more likely than, let's say, New Yorkers uh, to appreciate gold and to understand the value of uh, precious metals? You know, there, there's a little bit of a yes, yes and no. There's a little bit of a, a prepper mentality right. in Utah. You had the, the prophet, Ezra Taft Benson, you know, he... Um, he promoted the book, uh, None Dare Call It Conspiracy. Mm. A lot of the, Jer- the John Birch Society is very deep in Utah. But here you have the LDS Church, and they say, hey, you know what? You need a year's supply of food because guess what? You're going to need it. 
you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one in three houses or one in four houses has a year supply of food in Utah. Now, if you take that message, you go to someone in Utah and you say, well, you know or you probably suspect that someday your currency will be worthless, and that's why you need a year supply of food. Right. It says that right at Welfare Square in Salt Lake City. Wouldn't it be nice if those gold coins you were saving for that day were usable? I mean, what? Today. what what's your plan? What's your plan? You're going you're gonna to come out into the post-apocalyptic street market with your one kilo bar trying to buy toilet <laughs> I need paper? toilet paper, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, fine. Maybe you get silver. Well, that's going to be too much. Yeah. You know, and that's really where the one gold, Utah Goldback shines is it's... It's perfect. And it for does shine. It yeah, does it's shine. It's pretty. And you know, you can you can read more about it, utahgoldback.com. It's you you need to just not just read about it. You need to go see this product. I'm I'm sorry you can't hold it in your hands. Yeah, it's gonna be different yeah, looking at it it's, online. It's, I, it's it's rough on radio. Um. even <laughs> online you still are dealing with a photograph of what is ultimately a very shiny, reflective uh, product. It's gotta be hard to take a good picture of it. It's yeah. very it hard amazing. to take a gold picture. It's and they're durable. You know, they're designed to yes. circulate. They're designed to be used. It's mixed they're, in with plastic, obviously. If some yeah, sort, right? it's got a polymer. I mean, uh-huh. the, these things aren't that thick. If there wasn't like a plastic coating on it, right. they'd fall apart in your sure. hands. It's basically a bill, but it's a bill that contains the gold that it's backed by. But backed by is not even the right term. <laughs> it right, is right. You know, and I, it might even be more accurate to call it like a plastic coated coin. Um, you know, the only place that people can really even get these things right now is through the United Precious Metals Association, which is UPMA.org. Wait, um, you can get them? You can. Okay. You can pre-order them. You can yeah. pre-order them. Otherwise, you have to show up at an event in Utah. Right. right. Um, but we will ship them out of the state. These will be available at almost every single coin store in Utah. Wow. Uh, but the idea here is we're creating a space where sound money will be used and circulated for... Utah will be the only place with sound money in the world. Yeah, Utah has... I recently, I shouldn't say recently, uh, within the last decade or so, uh, passed a law that made gold a currency. Right. So one of our partners wrote that law. It's Larry Hilton. It's the Utah Legal Tender Act. Yep. And because of that law, the one Utah goldback, we believe, is legal tender in the state of Utah. I believe you're right. So, you know, now you have an alternate legal tender currency that is endorsed and sealed by the state of Utah as currency in the state that's being used as a local voluntary currency in Utah. So today in Utah, you can use sound money to pay for almost everything except federal taxes. Um, Wow. Which, you know, I mean, you could probably try to ask the Fed if, you know, or the federal government. I wouldn't they give would them my these. money. I wouldn't give them my gold. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give so them my gold. Give them the cash. The one is a one, one, one thousandth yep. of, a, of a troy ounce. And you're saying that's worth what, what right now? Is an ounce of gold is what, 1400 something like that? Right. Now, but the thing this is, has got to be worth more than that because of all the, the you know, the, the premium, the, the value that's, yeah. that's added in the, the manufacturing process, right? Like, right. So, you know, there's kind of like the rule of large numbers and bulk pricing. You know, people kind of get that. If you go to Home Depot and you buy a thousand pounds of a thousand bags of cement, yeah, you're, you're going to get, get a better, better price than you know, than buying a little bit of cement. If right. you buy yeah, a bucket cr- of screws, you're going to get a better deal than buying five screws. Yeah. Um, and the same thing is true with gold. It used to be with this technology, you were looking like at a 500 or a 800 percent premium. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just because it was very expensive to do. But we've gotten the technology refined to the point where. We can have one universal premium for all the different gold backs that we're doing. So they're interchangeable, and the premium is a lot lower. So the one Utah gold back, if you were to melt it down and get like a little BB of gold, it'd be if smaller that. than a BB. It'd be yeah. like the, a pen tip of right. gold. Um, you know, that's going to have like a $1.42 melt value. 
Um, but we're retailing these things for $2.50. Because, you know, a one kilo bar, which is what the spot price is based off of, is easier to make than 32,000 individual Oh, sure packs. it is. All right, hold that thought. Can you stay with us for another segment here, Jeremy? Sure. we got more coming up here from uh, Free T- Freedom Fest. It's Free Talk Live. And we'll learn more about the Utah Goldback at utahgoldback.com. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. We are here at Freedom Fest 2019. Go to freedomfest.com. Learn more about it as uh, Ian and Mark continue with some uh, extra bonus interviews here as we continue into our Sunday edition of the show, talking about uh, precious metals, turning it into useful money with the Utah gold back. And we're going to continue with Jeremy Corden here, but I also want to let you know that Free Talk Live is brought to you by local.bitcoin.com because if you are ready to buy or sell your Bitcoin cash or want to buy some Bitcoin cash, you can do that with dozens of payment methods, including PayPal, Venmo, bank deposits, remittances, cash in person. You might even find somebody who's willing to take precious metals uh, for for Bitcoin, although you usually have to ship them, which gets a little complicated. Uh, but you can go to local.bitcoin.com. But they actually even have cash by mail as an option. So it's not uncommon for people to ship valuable things uh, through the mail to get cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Cash. The communications between buyers and sellers on the site are encrypted. So you don't have to worry about somebody snooping, uh, some governmental agency or whatever, snooping on your discussions with buyers and sellers. And there's no so-called know-your-customer requirements. All those ID requirements those other sites have, they don't have it at local.bitcoin.com. So get on over there, and you can buy and sell Bitcoin Cash. I've done it, and I've got ads up every single day there, and several other Free Talk Live hosts are doing it regularly there as well at local.bitcoin.com. You know, uh, Jeremy, we've had a long history here on Free Talk Live with alternatives to uh, the government money that we've been saddled with for so long. We go all the way back to the Liberty Dollar, which you have you ever heard of them before? Oh, I I've heard of the Liberty Dollar. Yeah, so yeah, I can't imagine you haven't. You, we we've had more than one person ask us about it. <laughs> yeah, so it goes all the way back. They got raided, I think, in 2007 after about a decade plus of being kind of the top alternative to the, the U.S. dollar uh, in the marketplace. They uh, the federal government came to their vault. Uh, their mint has a vault, and they came there and they raided the vault and they took all their gold and their silver and even copper coins. They had these Ron Paul. They had to uh, return it though. Cop- well, after years, but they I'm had. Just saying. They had to return it, and I didn't collect mine because I didn't want to give the court uh, my information. So that somebody still got that silver. Anyway, uh, this is not going to suffer the uh, government raiding problem that the uh, the Liberty Dollar suffered. Just for the listeners just tuning in, we're talking about an actual physical note. It's, it's not even notes, not even the right word, because a note's evidence of debt. A physical piece, a full, you know, bendable, you know, this is something you can put in your wallet. It's a piece of gold, and it's uh, mixed with a polymer, as you were saying. It's the Utah gold back. Yeah, it's like a it's like a gold coin shaped like a bill. <laughs> That's right, and it acts it's like floppy, a bill. and yeah, it's just you could bend it and put a crease in it if you. We call them we call them we call them gold backs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's sort of off the uh, the old greenback term, right? Um, you know, the gold back is kind of a fun play on words because the back of the gold back is gold. It's a golden back. That's right. It's also gold backed, and gold's also back. <laughs> and then if you're gold's really educated, back. you could say you could say you know, well, it's kind of like the greenback. Uh, that wasn't our original intent behind the naming, but it actually worked mm-hmm. really well, um, you know, for those educated people out there. They're beautiful. Who did the artwork? We have a local artist in Utah. It's actually my one of the other founders' mother. He, she has um, about 30 years' worth of experience drawing female figures. Mm-hmm. And we use... And who doesn't like to look at those? 
Who doesn't like look female figures? Um, so we're doing the Lady Virtues. So we have Prudence, oh, nice. Veritas, uh, all the way up to Libertas, which is Liberty, on the 50. Mm-hmm. So it's 1, 5, 10... What was it, 25? What were the uh, 25 and 50. And these are just sort of arbitrary numbers that you no. assign. No? No, they're not no. arbitrary. There's a reason why we don't do a 20, we do a 25. The reason for that is because the 20 doesn't make any sense. I mean, think about it. Is there a 20-cent coin? No. 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 You know why? Because that would be stupid. <laughs> I mean, the reason why we had a $20 bill is because that was based off the value of gold, a $20 gold piece. Right. Right. When a silver ounce was uh, $1, a, 20, or a, sil- a gold ounce was $20. Right. So mathematically, it doesn't make a lot of sense to use a 20, and we're not based off the Federal Reserve system. You know, and we make that very clear by right. doing a 25 instead of a 20. And I see here, uh, so now it's, it's making a little more sense now that I'm looking closer at it. So the 1 is 1 1,000th one of an ounce. The 5 is 1 200th, a.k.a. 5 1,000th. Right. right? Okay. And we had, a, we had a big debate internally whether we wanted to say 5 1,000th or 1 200th. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, fractions, they're fun. (laughs) (laughs) Only country on earth that, uh, you know, slaps down a math problem and calls it a number. (laughs) Right. That's right. That's absolutely right. But I want to address the the Liberty Dollars issue because, you know, I'd heard this story, you know, and it kind of, you know, it was like the government kind of felt like the boogeyman in that sense. You know, here there were these people, you know, and they're kind of doing their own thing and they're trying to make a sound money. And then the, the boogeyman shows up and just shuts everything down and says, hey, you can't do that. And that. That really kind of created like this big cloud of concern when we're working on the gold back because you don't want to fight the boogeyman. And one day I was on the Learning Channel, and there's a Learning Channel. They did a video on uh, Bernard von Nothaus, who was the founder of Liberty Dollars. And it's a really interesting video because you have Bernard von Nothaus talking and the Federal Reserve spokesperson. I don't know how you get that job. They were talking. (laughs) And she says this really interesting thing. She says, you know, Yes, you can do local currencies and, you know, yeah, you know, your community might accept them, but you can't, like, go to the bank and, like, you know, you can't go to the bank and turn it in and get credit for it. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to say. And in the next scene, Bernard von Nathaus is shown with the $10 silver Liberty Dollar thing, and he shows the user how to, he shows the viewer how to use them. He goes up to a sandwich shop. That's probably never heard of the guy. Right. And he presents this, and he says, this is the new $10 silver. And the woman behind the counter says, what on earth? And, you know, and she has never seen one before. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's the, new te- it's the new $10 silver. You know, like, And I think a reasonable person might think the mint might have made it. And she, you know, they're freaking out back there. And he, you know, they take it, and he leaves with the sandwiches. And he says, well, just like that. Now, what they got him for was counterfeit. That's right. That's right. Because the $10 silver was based off 10 Federal Reserve notes of value, and he tried to spend it as a Federal Reserve note, and he wasn't clear that it was sound money. Those people had never heard of that program. Clearly, that's and not going to happen with yours. No. <laughs> I mean, these things are worth more than a dollar. So They don't say dollar on them, do and they? And they don't say. They say they're not dollars. Right. Now, I saw the same video, and the thing that I wondered uh, when I saw it was, first off, it's television, right? And sure. TV, uh, turns out most of the TV that I see is not really what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what happened when Bernard von Nathaus up, um, walked up to this lady. I don't know if she's an actor. I don't know if it's her sandwich shop. I don't know if he portrayed it as, uh, you know, I don't know anything other other than, yeah, I mean, I get it that, you know, the, the, well, the that video was probably the most persuasive things to the jury, but I still don't know what happened. Did they well, have there that was, one there was There was $4 worth of silver in that thing, you right. know? So what are, you, what are you doing selling a round for 
and passing it off as a $10 coin when there's $4 worth of silver. That was the government's case, and I don't think that was a terrible case to have against Liberty Dollars. They should not have called them dollars. Well, and we're not, we're not well, trying to do anything similar. A dollar is a measurement of silver, and a dollar was an ounce at one point. Mm-hmm. It's the government that has now usurped the terminology. Sure. I mean, so, um, you know, it, it's... But it's, it's, it's I'm not, I, I understand that you probably have some difficulties with, uh, sure, with, with sure. your currency. Right, and Bernard, right. But and I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is it was muddy enough for a jury yeah. to say, this looks like counterfeiting. Eh, I don't... I've never had much value to a, for a jury anyway. And I mean, sure. why would I take 20, uh, 12 people off the street and ask them, have a government... Uh, expert, uh, you know, ask him to find somebody guilty while the rest of us are here like, please, please don't. Um, right. You know, I mean, I, I, as far as it goes, the, <laughs> That's fair. The, the, the Liberty Dollar had a website on it. The government's never been so forward thinking as to put their website on any of their currency. You had to look at it. I get it. I mean, on both sides, somebody certainly could have passed off the Liberty Dollar as something. I didn't want to get too deep into the Liberty Dollar here. We, I'd yeah, rather we're... talk more about the, the gold back. <laughs> Do you want to say for more, Jeremy? Sure. I don't know if they're going to kick us out here. It's getting late, uh, but we'll continue with one more. Dimming. One more segment here uh, on Free Talk Live on the Sunday show. Is oral health important to you? If you don't like your own teeth, fresh breath, or kissing people, then by all means, stop listening. Several years ago, I met Jessica Armand, founder and CEO of My Magic Mud, and I became passionate about the product that she created and never want to live without it. It's clinically proven to whiten teeth, but I find it does much more. They want you to love My Magic Mud as much as I do, so they're giving you a money-back guarantee plus 20% off. Go to MyMagicMud.com and use coupon code FTL20 at checkout. MyMagicMud.com, FTL20. FreedomFest 2019. Go to freetalklive.com. You can grab archives from the last several days uh, when we've been here in Las Vegas at the Paris Hotel for Freedom Fest. Their website is freedomfest.com. Also, you know, we're talking about great alternatives and uh, liberty-friendly businesses. And if you've got, uh, if you are an individual who rejects the initiation of force and you agree to abide by the ethics of the non-aggression principle, get on over to liberty.menu where you can list the thing that you do. Maybe you've got an alternative currency you want to promote. Maybe you've got a business that you're running. Maybe you've got digital content that you're the creator of and you want other liberty-minded folks to know about it. This is the key Liberty Business Directory, and it's free to use, so there's no reason not to, unless, of course, you don't want people to know that you care about freedom. Uh, Go to liberty.menu and list yourself there. You can use code FTL to get a special Free Talk Live listener badge for your profile, and there is a bit of a social networking aspect to the site as well. Ratings and reviews, of course, over at liberty.menu. As we uh, continue here talking about the Utah Goldback with Jeremy Corden, who is one of the founders of the Utah Goldback, just absolutely uh, beautiful pieces that are not backed by gold, but actually gold in a uh, kind of a wallet-style foldable bill-looking form. I mean, I don't, have, I don't know how best to describe this. They're stunning. They're, <laughs> that, that, was, they're that, was a, that was a pretty good job. That was a pretty good job. Um, well, these are small, spendable increments of gold. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the point. And they're just launching, basically. You've got a few for sale here, but you don't really have them officially for sale yet in any meaningful way. So, yeah, Freedom Fest is kind of a sneak peek. Yeah. Um, these are going to be available for sale at some events uh, throughout Utah that we're going to be doing. Uh, you could probably pick some up at the United Precious Metals Association, which is in Alpine, Utah. But by the end of September, we plan on being in just about every coin store inside the state of Utah. And if you're 
outside of Utah and you're interested in a spendable gold, a $2.50 gold product, mm -hmm. you can probably buy them online and have them shipped to you. And, you know, we'll have a full list of all the retailers that sell these things that we know of um, on utahgoldback.com. Now, one of the, the difficult parts of this, and having been, we were talking about the Liberty Dollar before, and I mentioned to you on the, the break there that uh, I was a Liberty Associate, as they called it, with the Liberty Dollar back before they got raided. Um, you had mentioned that uh, when Bernard spent, the, the founder of the Liberty Dollar, spent the Liberty Dollar, the $10 piece, he was, he was pawning off a 4 or $5 amount of silver for $10. Well, in the same way that, you know, any product that you sell, I'm selling some eggs, cooking some eggs for somebody. I'm selling them 30 cents worth of eggs for $3. You're selling a certain amount of gold for an amount over the uh, the value of the gold. So there's nothing inherently wrong. Like, if I can get somebody to pay $10 for what I paid $5 for, then you know, that's their choice. As long as it's honest, as long as they know that what they're getting is an ounce of gold. And I think that's where the Liberty Dollar went wrong. Was some some of the the things they were recommending could have been seen as not as honest as maybe they, they could have been. This, on the other hand, the, the uh, Utah Gold Bank, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it tells you on there what the uh, the amount of gold is. The lowest denomination is one one thousandth of an ounce of gold, and uh, but you know there's a certain price to that of the gold. But there's also value in the minting process or the manufacturing process, and what that value is is completely up to the buyer, right? Like you guys are going to come to somebody and ask for X amount. If I wanted to buy these two notes that you have here, well. Not only are they the amount of gold, but they're also two of the first ones you've ever minted. So it could be worth even more, right, because of that sort of collectible value on top of it. I, I suppose if we wanted to sell it that way. <laughs> Which you're not That's doing not necessarily. No, but I, not, not. And are they dated? Is there? I didn't yeah, notice. Yeah, these are, these are 2019s. Okay. Yeah, and there's probably going to be a lot more 2020s and 2019s. We actually sold over a million dollars worth of gold backs before the first ones were printed because there was that much excitement. Pre-orders. Pre-orders. Wow. Well, it's impressive. Yeah, I got to say. I mean, they are an impressive product. I mean, anybody that appreciates precious metals is uh, is going to be interested in this. Now, you told me off the air and the gentleman standing behind you from, is it Valerium? Uh, he's also one of the founders. We're, we're here with the Valorum booth. V Valorum, I'm sorry. <laughs> sure. Okay, so I saw their booth earlier, and I, I noticed that these looked very similar. I'm like, well, is this the same product? And you said you're working with this company. We haven't interviewed them yet, uh, but they caught my eye, and, and these things are very eye-catching, very beautiful. Um, what is it that they do, if you don't mind just kind of giving a you – know, how are you different from what Valorum does? So Valorum is the printing company. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to, and they do work for other companies like ours. Gotcha. So they're, they're the printers themselves. And are they Utah-based? Uh, they're based in Oregon. Ah, okay. All right. So this, uh, there's a, over a million dollars worth of pre-orders on this thing. You're, tr you're planning on launching basically this fall. Right. Fulfilling all those, those pre-orders. One of the bigger challenges, I think, that uh, you know, the Liberty Dollar had in any silver currency or anything that actually has real value uh, associated with it is, of course the Gresham's Law, right, where the, the individual is more likely to spend the money that's worth less. So if I've got these beautiful uh, gold notes, you know, in my possession, and I've got these crappy uh, U.S. dollars, I'm going to want to spend the U.S. dollars. I mean, I want to get rid of this crap, and I want to okay. hold on to the gold. How do you overcome uh, that challenge with actually getting people to spend these things? Well, there's two ways to do that challenge. The first thing is that people need a place to spend gold. Right? I mean, if you can't spend your gold... Well, yeah, you, if no one accepts it, yeah. Right, if no one accepts it, that's a problem. So, you know, part of signing up hundreds of Utah businesses across the entire business sphere lets you 
practically keep the gold. Because if you take that approach with Gresham's Law and you say, well, I'm just going to spend the crappy stuff, mm-hmm. I think Gresham's Law really applies like in the, the 1964 scenario where we're getting out of silver coinage and into crappier silver coinage, right. and they're mixed together. They're mixed together, and it's like, well, we're presenting these things that aren't the same as the same. That's Gresham's Law. Right. Gresham's Law has to do with government money. It, it's and polling so it does not actually I don't agree. apply here. I nope. think it absolutely applies. I mean, we see it with cryptocurrency where... You didn't write Gresham's Law. Okay, well, whatever. I'm just telling you I'm it applies. I'm not saying that what you're not... I'm whatever. Not whatever you want to call it. Okay? okay. Call it Edge's Law. Okay? Excellent. Whatever. We'll call it it's, a, what, it's a different law. <laughs> we, we come across this in New Hampshire where we're kind of like a cryptocurrency sure. uh, uh, you know, hub there. There's a sure. lot of local businesses that are taking cryptocurrency sure. uh, where we are living in Keene and out in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's hard as hell to get crypto people who love cryptocurrency, who should understand that spending crypto helps the crypto economy and helps you know get people acclimated to it, but yet they want to hold on to it because they're thinking it's going to go up in right, value. Right, and I think you hit the key point what I was going to sell you. If, you. if you were an early Bitcoinier and you bought the two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoins, yep. you're probably regretting it by now. Um, I don't know. think so, but... Well, yeah. but maybe. I mean, but if you spent 10,000 bitcoins, which is worth a, a, lot, a, a fortune, lot of money, <laughs> that's worth a fortune today for those two pizzas, and you didn't still have those, I would think that you might regret it because there's a speculative value, whereas the gold back, it's a $7.8 trillion market. It's a very, very different type of market than cryptocurrency. Now, about Gresham's Law, if you are using Federal Reserve notes, if you're using dollars... For your daily transactions, you have to hold them, you have to bank them, you have to have them. Mm-hmm. Now, and if you think, well, shoot, I'm going to use these worthless dollars, you are holding your value in those dollars that you yourself are saying are worthless. Now, what I'm finding with the gold back is the people coming in, they look at me and they say, wouldn't it be amazing if I never had to have a dollar again? Mm. Because then if everything goes to pot, I'm not holding dollars. I, I don't want to play musical chairs. You know, with my with my wealth and gold back, unlike all these other gold products, is extremely convenient for the average person to use because I can just hand you a piece of gold, which is a little easier than paying you a Bitcoin. You know, there's no password. You can't forget. There's no Internet connection. There's no don't lose your wallet. Don't use your USB. Sure. Sure. And I'm not trying to bash crypto. You know, I think there's a place. You sound like you know it very well. You know, but you know, my grandpa's never going to figure out crypto, but he's going to understand this. Yeah, right. and you're you right. Know? If people are I think accepting inherently it, cash has some advantages. Right. If, if people are accepting it, that's going to be an important factor. It's an important. Another factor. one, if I might suggest, you know, as you're talking to these business owners, is and some of them may also come up with this on their own. Is hey, I like gold. I'd like my customers to pay with gold. I should offer a discount for people who will pay with a gold back. And so there's a guy in, in Keene, who, one of the business owners, who gives a 5% discount to anybody who will pay with crypto because he'd rather have a customer pay with crypto right. than pay with the dollar. So if you can talk these businesses into offering even a small you know, 5%, something that's not that significant to the, the bottom line, but will incentivize a, a user to, to pull those things out instead of the dollar, I think that might I think, be a I think that I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think that's an absolutely great idea. So I'm gonna pick, I want to pick some of these up before I, before I get out of here. This yeah, is awesome. We, before we all get Check there. out... Uh, utahgoldback.com and uh, hopefully we'll see this sprouting up in some other states once this hopefully takes off for you. Thank you, Jeremy Corden, for joining us here on Free Talk Live. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. we got more coming up here from Freedom Fest 2019. It's Free Talk Live and we're at Freedom Fest 2019. Still here even though the event, by the time you're listening to this, was over yesterday. When we're recording it, 
it's still yesterday. So we're <laughs> we're here. We're traveling in time. On Saturday. This has been a time warp show. We're here on Saturday. It's actually bright and early Saturday morning. Uh, Glenn Beck just got off the stage uh, about a half hour up there, gave a, gave a speech. He had he brought his whiteboard with him, uh, but he actually decided he didn't, didn't want to use it and just kind of did <laughs> a speech. And it was pretty good. Um, and, of course, Penn Gillette was up there last night. He and... Uh, he and uh, Glenn. Penn, Glenn, Glenn Penn, Glenn and Penn, Glenn and Penn. Uh, they were up there there together. So Pendulette did a speech, and then Glenn and Penn kind of sat up with uh, Mark Skousen, who's the organizer here, uh, the founder of Freedom Fest, and they kind of just had a three-person discussion up there. And it was pretty funny because uh, Glenn complained about the chair that that he was sitting in, um, said it was particularly uncomfortable. And it's got a very special bottom. And then he, uh, at, at one point, he you know, he was up there for a little while, and he's like, "Yep, I'm still uncomfortable." He got up and then sat down on the edge of the stage, uh, and then Pendulette and uh, Mark Skousen got up and joined him. So it's kind of neat to see them just kind of sitting with their legs hanging off the uh, the end of the stage, right in right in front of the front row. Uh, and then you know, had a nice discussion about freedom. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get Penn Gillette uh, in here. He's one of those guys who's super busy, and I think he probably took off shortly after the meet and greet last night. But uh, we did get to see him in, in the party yep. uh, afterwards, which was, was pretty cool. And uh, I got a picture with him. I asked him if he had uh, been to Keen yet to to eat at Fucking Great, the uh, controversial uh, viral restaurant that he bought the T-shirt for, and he said he's not been able to get out of Vegas. Uh, but uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to come up there at some point. Uh, but he does have the T-shirt. So we're here. It is. Uh, it has been a great Freedom Fest, and we can talk more about the event, but there's still more people to talk to here as we're uh, basically doing a, an episode of bonus interviews uh, it is now the Sunday episode of Free Talk Live, and so we're going to continue with Michael Turner joining us this morning. Michael, thanks for uh, for being here. Yeah, delighted to be here. Thank you. Now, you are uh, part of Turner Capital Investments, Correct. I presume the founder, uh, and so uh, <laughs> tell me what you do over there. Well, basically, we're a unique asset management firm, and we... Um, uh, my background is uh, engineering and computer science. Uh, so you're a programmer. Well, yeah, I uh-huh. was, and and uh, had built an enterprise level software system for the pharmaceutical research world okay. uh, in my uh, first half of my professional career, and uh, built that company up. Sold it in the mid '90s. I had money for the first time, and did what I thought was the smart thing to do, and that was to take my money and put it with a big Wall Street firm and let them manage that money for mm. me because they sure, ought to know what to you? do. Yeah. That was not the smartest thing I've mm. ever done. It took them about a year and a half to lose half of what I'd worked all my life for. Yikes. So I fired them a year and a half too late, decided I would uh, manage my own money, and uh, looked around for any kind of tools that would do something just simple. Just go out and look at all the stocks that are out there and tell me which are the best ones to buy and when to buy them. Simple. No simple. Problem. Everybody, you know, what's hard with that, <laughs> right? So I, I began looking around, and sure enough, I didn't find anything that I liked. Mm-hmm. With my background, though, I thought, well, I'll build my own system, basically to go out and scan the universe of stocks and look at their fundamentals and look at their technicals and come back and say, here's the best ones to the worst ones. It's a pretty simple process. It takes a lot of computing processing to make that happen. But I did, and it worked out really well. That actually spawned another company. The name of that company is turnertrends.com, and my son's running that now. So I began, that, that went along fine for a while. People started coming to me saying, Mike, we love the tools that you've built. But we want you to money, manage my money for me. I don't want to work that hard. And so in about 2008, I began managing money for folks, and that's what I do today. Mm-hmm. But the big thing, in that I have uh, discovered, really in about the past five years, 
is that it doesn't matter what a stock's going to do or is doing. It doesn't matter how good the stock is. Don't matter. It doesn't matter how good the fundamentals are. It doesn't matter how much it pays in a dividend. What matters is what the market is doing. If the market's not in a bullish trend, you don't want to own anything. I went back, for example, let me tell you what, why I, I want to defend that position, because that's going to be foreign to a lot of folks. Yeah. I went back and I, I, I said, about five years ago, I began doing this analysis, pulled a re- little research team together, and I said, I want you to go back and look at every trade I've ever made over the past 20 years, and I want you to take out every trade that I did not make, that, if it was a bullish trade, if the market was not in a bullish trend, and look at the difference between how well I did only buying when the market was bullish as opposed to buying when a stock looks really good, it's moving up, and all the things right. that people look for. It was amazing what the difference was. It wasn't a little bit better. Hmm. It was orders of magnitude better. And so I began to look at that from the standpoint of saying, well, the market is not a part of the decision-making that you ought to go into. It is perhaps everything. In other words, if the market's not bullish, don't be bullish in anything. If the market's bearish, be, don't be bullish at all and be bearish. And the way I've done that now is this. If the market is trending higher and it's just a mathematical process, you don't have to guess at that. And I've developed a methodology to do that. And, and, and they can go to turnercapital.com and they can see how that's done. Basically, what I'm looking at is the trend of the market. If the trend is bullish, I'm bullish. I'm going to be buying good, strong, fundamentally sound stocks. If the market is bearish, I buy inverse ETFs. And inverse ETFs move up as the market goes down. Hmm. I've got one model, for example, I call my ultra model. And it does a 2x. It goes 2x up in a bull market. So if the market's going up, 20%, it's going to go up about 40. But mm-hmm. what's really neat is when the market is dropping 30 or 40%, it's going up 60 to 80%. And I'm not promising that's going to happen. I'm a fiduciary, okay? I can't make promises. I'm saying that the model is designed to do that because I'm using a 2x inverse ETF to do that. And it makes all the difference in the world. What really, meant, uh, what really is amazing is that my clients are looking forward to the next bear market, and they're not afraid of it. Hmm. At the same time, they're delighted if we're in a bull market. So we're playing both sides. If the market's bullish, we're bullish. If the market's bearish, we're bearish. It's just that simple. How do you feel about cryptocurrency? Well, it's, it's a, a fiat currency. It's moving along in a, in, a, in a lot of different directions. You don't know exactly who's going to end up being the winning no, into, into sure that. Nope. And so the way I look at things is this, is that I don't, I don't chase any of that. Mm-hmm. What, what my goal is is this. I'm not looking for the next big thing that's going to happen. I'm looking to see what the market is doing. So if Trump comes out with something and, uh, and, and, and it's big news or if the crypto comes out and it's big news or if the, you know, Amazon does something that's big news, I don't care about that. What I care about is how the market reacts to that. If the market reacts to that information positively, then I know that that changes the trend to a bullish trend, then I'm bullish. It's just mm-hmm. really that simple. You know, a lot of people get all uh, kind of um, wrapped around this, this, this thought process that if I don't know something about a particular thing that's going on in the market, I'm going to miss out. Whereas the market's already looking at that. The, the market is never wrong. It mm-hmm. can be stupid. It can be emotional. It can be frenetic. It can do a lot of things, but it's never wrong. And so what you want to do is position your investment strategy in sync with or in line with the market. It and that way you're right. So like a bull rider never gets off the bull and says, um, you know, whether he rode for 10 seconds or 8 seconds or however long he was, and he never says, the bull didn't do what he was supposed to do. Correct. 
Correct. You've got to go with what the bull's doing. Right. And, and you if, can't and control what the bull's doing. You cannot doing. control that. And so instead of trying to out- Or predict it, right? Right, or predict it. And instead of trying to outguess what the market's going to do, you know, here at Freedom Fest, you've got all these people talking about what could happen, what's going to happen to dollar, what's going to happen to gold, what's going to happen to silver, what's going to happen to crypto, and on and on and on. But they don't give you an actionable date as when it's going to occur. I know when to exactly be bullish. I know when to exactly be bearish. Not because I'm omniscient or prescient about any of that. Mm-hmm. It's because the market will tell you. And, and what I basically do is, is this, is I show people, and in fact, I show my clients how to do this, is that I'm looking at the trend of the market, how you measure that trend. We don't have time to get into the details of that, but it's not all that complicated. It's a trend-based process that you're going to ride that bull as long as the bull's going in the direction you want to go, and you're going to get off that bull when the bull is in between going bullish and then bearish. And when it turns into a bear, that's just as profitable as being on a bull. You, you make just as much money going down in the market as you can going up. You the can. last thing that people don't want to do... Mm-hmm. You don't want to buy and hold, not for any reason. Buy and hold has an adage to it where, where you say, well, the market always comes back. It does, but it might take you 10, 15, 20 years to get back to even. Whereas instead of riding it all the way down and having to spend all that time trying to make that money back up as the market comes back up, why not make money on the way down? And then when the market does bottom, you've got all that money there ready to go to work. You don't have to wait to get back to even. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, everything you say makes perfectly good sense. I'm just kind of sitting here and wondering to myself, why hasn't somebody done this sooner? Well, I'll tell you exactly why it's not been done. First of all, my background being engineering, computer science, I approach this from the standpoint of just math. I don't approach it from the standpoint of finance. The other is, is that if most asset management firms make their living off of you being in the market all the time, and so they get kickbacks from mutual funds. They get all these kind of bonuses sure. and commissions, okay, to keep you in the market. They don't want you going in and out of the market. You know, a lot of people say, well, let's trade like Warren Buffett does. Do you think Warren Buffett can say on a Monday morning, I think I'm going to go to cash? No, he can't do that. He's physically too big. But 99.999% of the rest of the, of the investment world is not too big. Mm-hmm. They can go to cash when they want to. They can move from a bullish strategy to a bearish strategy. And by the way, this doesn't happen every day. These trends are long-term in, in, in making. You're a long-term bull, and you're a long-term bear. Michael Turner from Turner Capital Investments at turnercapital.com. Thank you for coming on Free Talk Live. Great. Thank you. Wouldn't it be nice to wake up in the morning whenever you want and work and play whenever you Business owners, you want more customers? Accept cryptocurrencies. There's people all around you just waiting to spend money at your store. If only you would take it. I know. You've been waiting till someone else makes it easy. Well, good news. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com adds Bitcoin to your point of sale. Totally free. Use the same equipment you already have, now with Bitcoin. And unlike credit cards, there's no fees. Let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers to your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com It's Free Talk Live at Freedom Fest 2019 in uh, Las Vegas at the Paris Hotel. We're here on the final day of Freedom Fest. You're listening the day after. So you missed the event this year, uh, but you can probably come next year because I suspect this is going to keep going. Uh, there's, I would say, approximately 2,000 people that attended this year. 
and it looked like about maybe 800 at uh, Pendulette's speech last night, maybe seven, 800. The whole room holds about 1,200, but it wasn't quite full, although it was well attended. It was a great, great speech. Um, and I suspect videos will be available at some point at freedomfest.com. So go there to learn more about the event that we're at here. And what we do is we talk to interesting folks that are here to kind of give you a taste of uh, what it was like, talk to some of the speakers, talk to some of the vendors. And uh, Navid Sadakali is with us. He's the CEO of End of Petroleum at uh, endofpetroleum.com. Navid, welcome to Free Talk Live. Thanks, Ian. And you were uh, pretty persistent. You came by yesterday, and you, you know you wanted to get on. And of course, well, we... I had gone on to, to uh, and asked uh, at his. I mean, they talked about. I'd gone to his booth and asked oh, yeah. about it. They talked about exploding water, and that's yeah, what yeah. I want to know about. Well, you came by, and you came back this morning. Cause I said, "Well, come back tomorrow. We're wrapped up for the day." And you came back this morning, and here you are. And I appreciate you uh, well, taking the time. I would say persistence. If you're if you're telling the world that there's a way to make water explode, you're going to have to be persistent for a long time. <laughs> and uh, there's one man that we worked with. Uh, uh, that has been persistent for since 1986 that says he knows something about nature that no one that many other people don't and that by 1990 he says he's going to make water explode or he has a reaction that is more the most powerful chemical reaction we have on in history uh, that exists in nature you can't make up uh, energy and so right. he's been persistent for that long and so we're behind him and this is one source. of those things. We've been on the air for a long time. I mean, we've been doing this show since 2002. We were syndicated in 2004. We've had a national audience since then. And, uh, you know, every now and then we'll get this guy calling in, and he believes that there's some sort of free energy thing, but the government's been suppressing it. The oil companies have sure. been suppressing it. This has been talked about for decades, the idea of running an engine, for instance, off of water. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that this is real? This isn't some kind of conspiracy theory? So I'm going to try to resolve this for you today. So what I'm telling you is that this there is a way to make energy. You may have heard in 1989, there's something called cold fusion. Mm -hmm. Pons and Fleischmann, two chemists from Utah, says that we can make, fu we can make fusion in a test tube. Uh, the scientists of that era from MIT... And even the government said that's not impossible. They tried to reproduce it. Inconsistent results. They held a panel. They voted to stop work on it. And it basically case closed. It's a fraud. Hmm. That's the backstory to this. Meanwhile, in the steps of a Pennsylvania courthouse, I believe, there's a man named Randall Mills who says he actually understands what's going on. But no one really paid him attention. I mean, some did, but it was basically so out of band with the thinking of that era sure. that he basically was ignored. There's a book about him you can read called America's Newton. We wrote a book about him called Randall Mills and the Search for Hydrogen Energy and it basically tells that story in depth about his journey and this. And people say it's the greatest scientific story ever, like period. So I'll, I'll bring it down to the energy because that's what you guys are interested in. The energy is basically a chemical reaction. Anytime atomic hydrogen is around a catalyst, and there's many catalysts, it will actually naturally want to fall to a smaller form of hydrogen. And when electrons move, coming back to what is energy, mm -hmm. chemical energy, H2 plus O2 is water. The H's and the O's, they don't really go anywhere, right? You still have them. You so break what, them off and move yeah, them Yeah, what happens is the electrons shift in closer and release potential energy that was in that electron attracted to that. Just like if I took something off a shelf and I pushed it, I catalyzed it down, that energy comes out 
and it hits the floor. That's you know, but it wasn't in the water bottle off the on the shelf. It wasn't in the earth. It's right. between those two. Same thing with the electron and the proton. So when we talk about free energy. There's no such thing. Mm-hmm. What it is is energy that's unexplained, and that's been going on in history. And I can name Stanley Meyer, the water power car. It's been on 60 minutes. There's um, a PAP engine. You can search it on YouTube. There's garage inventors all over. They know they're getting anomalous effects. But that doesn't lead to any innovation because it kind of, if you don't really understand something, you can't do anything with it, right? Um, and so this is, this is more powerful than fire by 100 times. The yeah. reaction. The reaction. Because right? combustion is H2 plus O2. That's rocket fuel. If they guess one unit uh, energy, this is going to give you 100 units. And I can tell you exact amounts. But So what do you do? I mean, I know how a combustion engine works, right? You squirt a little yeah. fuel, uh, fossil fuel, into a uh, cylinder. A piston comes up. There's an explosion. It shoves the piston down. Right. How do you get energy out of water? I mean, I'll, I'll agree sure. with you that there's certainly chemical bonds there. And, I mean, you're breaking them up or sticking them together and electrons. Okay, all that sounds like there's some energy in there. Yeah. yeah so but, how are you going to harness it? Right. Maybe what you're asking. What you need to do is, um, there's, there's a few ways, and the world's not asleep on this. There's pe- actually companies working on it in multiple places. And research labs, one funded by ex-people from NASA and Lockheed Martin. So, but, but practically how you get out, how brilliant, one of the companies is Brilliant Light Power. Okay? That's the company from New Jersey that's Randall Mills Company. They're going to do it in this way. This energy process occurs in the outside of the sun, and there's a lot of scientific mysteries that get closed in this because we now understand this. The outside of the sun has the corona of the sun. You may not know this. That is a million degrees temperatures. The surface temperature of the sun is 6,000. So when you go away from a stove, does it get hotter or colder? It gets so basically, hotter closer to the stove. So basically, the outside of the sun is a plasma. Uh-huh. That means it's a state of matter where all the ions are free-floating, and it's kind of right. like a chaos, right? So we have lo- liquid, solid, uh, gas, right? Those are the states of matter. Plasma is another mm-hmm. state. Right. Fourth one. And, and yeah. so we don't see that this energy on the Earth because we don't have plasma just free-floating. Right. It's not hot enough. It's not hot enough, exactly. Thank goodness. And, and yeah, and your things just bind up and they live in these other states. So when they generate a plasma, and that's about 3,000 degrees, you can use a battery to generate the plasma. But once that atomic hydrogen, now remember, it's just one electron, it's not the gas now, meets a catalyst, it'll go boom, and an electron will come in closer and form a new, smaller, stable hydrogen. Um, and that stable hydrogen exists in, in all of nature already. In fact, all the stars are doing this. They're, they're taking the hmm. hydrogen they have, putting them to that smaller form, releasing massive amounts of energy. And in astrophysics, there's an unsolved problem, which is why is the, the, the amount of energy coming out of fusion is not enough to explain the energy radiance from the sun. And this guy's saying, guys, the engine, that engine is actually making energy. Uh, it's, this hydrino reaction occurs in the sun. And his wow. spectro- spectroscopy results match the ones from space. And also, and then it will compute a huge scientific puzzle. I went to Brown University. Today, they're looking for dark matter. They build these mirrors. They're like this mysterious particle. They use mathematics to try and invent new things that maybe explain the phenomena. This guy's saying, guys, most of the mass of the universe, 75% is hydrogen. That's We know that. And we know there's this stuff that pulls gravity that's dark. This guy's saying something very sensible. When this small hydrogen binds with itself, it forms dihydrinograss, extremely yep. inert, extremely bound, and it doesn't want to react with light. And, oh, wait, it's dark. 
and it's most of the universe, mass. Okay. So hmm. he's saying dark matter is the small hydrogen. hydrogen in a new form. Dihydrino hydrogen. And by the way, he's not just him saying that now. There's many scientists who have I feel like my it. world's been flipped upside down. Why do I believe this? <laughs> All right. Um, this, is, this is amazing stuff. How do you build an energy to uh, an engine to handle, what, 3,000 degrees? Is that what we're talking about here? 3,000 Kelvin reactor, what? yeah. Kelvin. Kelvin, Kelvin yeah. Kelvin. So roughly, <laughs> like, let's just call it uh, a little bit more Fahrenheit, whatever. So, but basically... It melt it, through the ground. No. <laughs> so actually, there are materials that can contain it. Okay. So if you mm. think about uh, fusion, that's the, the, the world, boondog... Uh, I'm going to say boondoggle because we don't have it. Right. And $60 billion has been spent they on it. They want it really badly. We want it. <laughs> and and this, this requires a new understanding, right? Once you understand nature a little better, he understands the electrons. And I'm not even going to get into the theory of why he understands. He believes that the old theory is the new theory. Maxwell's equations, Newton's laws yep. can displace quantum mechanics. And that, that's a whole backstory to this. But basically, with this new understanding, he's doing new things. E equals MC squared. Einstein, we got a bomb. That's the only way we get there, right? right? Now he's got a new understanding of electrons. He understands how he can make them fall. It's all basic. It's actually chemistry. It's not anything atomic, nuclear. It's just chemistry. And so now... Naveed, the- can you hold that thought and sure. stay with us for another segment Absolutely. here on Free Talk Live? We've got more on the way. Naveed Sadakali is with us from End of Petroleum. Uh, is that something we'll see in our lifetimes? Maybe. You never know when these things are going to change drastically. Uh, we've got more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. We're at Freedom Fest 2019. It's Free Talk Live. We're at Freedom Fest 2019 for uh, basically a whole day of bonus episodes here. And uh, we've got Naveed Sadekali with us. I do want to invite you to go to liberty.menu because if you are an individual who rejects the initiation of force and agrees to abide by the ethics of the non-aggression principle, you qualify to use liberty.menu you can head over there and get your business listed because it is completely free to do that so if you want more liberty-minded folks people that care about freedom to find out about your business or maybe your uh, digital content that you create perhaps you've got an event that you want to promote get some free uh, publicity for because it is free to use liberty.menu you can use code ftl and get a special free talk live listener badge at liberty.menu and there is actually a bit of a social networking aspect to it plus of course ratings and reviews and it's liberty.menu as we continue here from freedom fest 2019 ian and mark in our remote studios and uh, we've got the ceo of end of petroleum at end of petroleum.com he's navid sadikali we were just talking about uh what you're talking to try to encapsulate what you just said, <laughs> uh, this should be funny. Without being a you know science uh, scientist myself, you're talking about basically turning water into energy. This sort of mythical goal that many people have believed in uh, for a long time that uh, you say is now possible. If you want to have an idea of what we're talking about and you missed the last segment, just go download the archive. I think that's a better at, idea at freetalklive.com. <laughs> but Mark, you had asked the question about well, how do you contain this because the right. reaction is incredibly hot. And uh, that was what you were kind of trying to answer mm-hmm. before we had to run away to the break there. So please pick up where you right. left off. So, so principally, um, we can make a reactor, and they have a reactor running, and the U.S. military uh, DOD is a licensee. So th- that's already running. Their challenge is not to... So basically, material science technology that we have, it, 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 can, it can handle 3,000 Kelvin. And How big is this reactor? So... Uh, uh, this is where people start to go, wow, because the energy density of this reaction is 100 times fossil fuels. Um, 
you can make it really small. Okay. Which is what Mills wants. Yeah. Mills can I prefer- put it in a car? You want to put it in a car. Okay. And he's already talked about that, and uh, people want to know those, you know, see links of Mills talking about that. He, he's been very transparent, very public. World basically just, it, it's like anything else. If someone tells you the world's going to change, you're a crackpot till you do it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So it's, that's yep. You're a crackpot until it works, right? You can't fly. <laughs> Humans can't fly. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's actually use that. 1895. Lord Kelvin. Yeah. We talked about Kelvin. Right. He said heavier than air flight is impossible. And huh. 1905 sustainable flight from the Wright brothers. Right. Exactly. It wasn't even that long after he said it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, okay. Now we have uh, the size uh, handled. We can we we have energy from water, and I presume you could do this with a lot of different sort of basic element isn't the right term, um, basic uh, compounds and, uh, you know, get energy out of them because, you know, chemical But people want to do it with water because there's so much of it. There's so much of it, right? What he's saying is that this is something that just exists in nature with the hydrogen, single hydrogen atom. So he's not saying that everything, I mean, technically everything has this chemistry electrons, but pushing this one down is part of the engine of 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 nature that's what he mm-hmm. said so it's this is easy to tap into and he's doing it and by the way it, there's not this is not a new story the department of energy this goes back you know I'm weaving it back and forth uh the, the, the many independent labs are, are Brookhaven uh, MIT Lincoln lab Chalk River in Canada Moscow knew this was real and reproduced it in the cold fusion era but you know what happened and there's a movie about this called Too Close to the Sun from the BBC in 1994 they said they were afraid of losing their administrators, the heads of the labs, are saying they're afraid of losing funding for working on unpopular science because of the cold fusion fiasco. Right. So the case got closed. So this little company, Mill says, if it wasn't for our company fighting for this, this, wouldn't be, this would have been gone and it may have never been discovered for another 200 years. Mm. That's what he says. It's fascinating. How uh, how cheap is it to go um, at this? Uh, at, how cheap do we see it at some point in the future to, you know, sort of, break up water and turn it into energy so the price point that this company and there's other companies by the way they're going to sell energy to us at their their rate right now they think it's going to be five cents or less a kilowatt hour the u.s average is 12 Mm -hmm. Uh, so the fuel stock you could call free well water is free yeah but the innovation right they deserve to be rewarded for uh, the investors in this spent 120 million dollars by the all private no government funding uh, they had to do it on the backs of people believing in Mills and his capabilities and his team. And so that, that's venture, right? Sure. So they deserve to be rewarded for that. So they, they, they're going to try and sell energy for five cents a kilowatt hour. Uh, and heat is another obvious thing. A lot of the markets for energy are just to make heat. Hot water is used in every manufacturing. So they can also, they're also partnered, by the way, with a TMI Climate Solutions, which is a Berkshire Hathaway-owned company to build an industrial heater. So we're talking about building product right now and engineering. We're not talking about science research anymore. So how much water does it use to get this kilowatt hour? Um, so basically, you know, the equivalency that I like to use is, uh, and it's really rough, one, one gallon uh, of water is equivalent to 100 la- gallons of gasoline. Wow. Yeah. Well, can yeah. you imagine the... Uh, <laughs> we, we live in New Hampshire, so you know we got heating oil up there. Right? I mean, just imagining a water truck pulling up to your... <laughs> Does it, you know, that's a good you question. Need that. Can I just go to the ocean, get myself some salt water, and make this happen, or does it have to be distilled? Um, 
you know, I get that question a lot. I, I Do can't, you? Great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Everyone's like, are we going to run out of water and does it have to be distilled? Those are two popular questions. I guess I should have a prepared answer. I don't actually know, but you're putting it into a plasma that's really hot. So if you put other elements in, they may not, they may, there's like kind of deposit and you're going to foul up your reactor. So, so I suspect I would think. that salt would come out of it. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. Something like so that. you'd get like all the salt and then you have to clean it. They need to, what they need to do, remember, there's engineering. There's like, you can understand something. But, you know, going from uh, the Wright Brothers 1905 to Boeing, yeah, sure. that's not the same thing, right? We, we knew how to make memory chips and smartphones probably 30 years ago. But it, it takes a lot of fit. innovation, yeah. material science, engineering. Many, many things are going on uh, to make a, a product. And that's what's going on right now. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, the other question was, uh, you know, is it, you need distilled water. And are we going to run out of water? We will, nev- we will not run out of Can't, water. There's no, a lot of water. Forms. Yeah. Um, so uh, It's floating around the solar system. What, is, yeah. uh, what does endopetroleum do in regards to all of this that we're talking well, about? Well, you know, my story is that three and a half years ago, I, so I, in my younger career, helped to disrupt the film industry. So I've been involved in design and helping engineers build kind of breakthrough products. So when I discovered the science, you know, I was always I went to Brown and I wanted to do physics and I dropped out of physics and did computer science, which was a good move in the nineties because then that made a career for me. But I was always interested in physics. Mm-hmm. When I discovered someone has published uh, two thousand roughly page treaties on physics, hundred journal articles, but he's a fraud, I was like, I've never seen that in history. Mm. Right? Like there's crackpots, but not crackpots who put out volumes of material publishing them and they're still crackpots. Right. This is a unique story in history. So I, I didn't take it at face value. I researched it, became friends with someone named Brett Holverstadt, who wrote, who worked in the lab in 2006, went to Reed College. Then he wanted to do an internship. His supervisor said, ah, this can't be right. You'll know better when you grow up. Try to wrap this up in 30 yeah. seconds. So basically, uh, we I got involved with it because I was passionate about it, and I realized this is world-changing, and I want to push the ideas forward. I want to help. We also do help investors do well with this. And basically, it's a new era in energy and in technology, clean water, agriculture. It's going to affect everything, right? Super exciting. So that's what we're doing. Super exciting. Navid Sadikale, the CEO of End of Petroleum, his website, endofpetroleum.com. Probably the smartest interview we've had yet. Thanks, yeah. man. Really appreciate you coming on Free Talk Live. we got more coming up from Freedom Th- I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. It's Free Talk Live. We're at Freedom Fest 2019, and uh, on day number four is where we're actually at, even though we're doing a whole fifth fifth show from this event. Uh, we're at the uh, the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas, and, uh, you know, one of the things we haven't really done a whole lot of, I tried to insert a comment here or there, we've just been so wall-to-wall with guests, we really haven't even talked a whole lot about being the event. here yeah. and doing the event, and so now Ernest Hancock is joining uh, Ian and Mark here in our remote studio, and who in better? In my opinion, the greatest broadcaster in America. Greatest! He sure as hell is dedicated, man. Up at 6 a.m. every single day. Ernie is... Certainly dedication. Listen to his show. How do do people do that? Declare your independence, I go? Declare your independence. I go to freedomsphoenix.com, and you'll the top right of the 
page and you'll see all the stuff and connection to and you can do all the live streaming stuff there's stuff and on the lrn.fm of course for a morning show well it's not really morning show nine eight at noon it's a morning right? show. nine to noon eastern that's a morning six, show well it's six to nine for me that's a freaking morning show i guarantee yeah, it's it. crazy yeah yeah no doubt um and oh, oh, oh and ian has to get up a lot of times coming like, hey man you know there's a button needs to be pushed, a thing. We can't connect it to something. They go, wake up, Ian. Wake up, Ian. Well, this weekend I did wake up at 5.50 because I knew there was a good chance you weren't going to be able to do the show from the from the hotel. Because so. they had the room locked and I couldn't get in. Yeah, and I, and I knew that I, was, I was ready. Happen. I was setting it up ready to do it in my room. Yeah. I'm getting all – and you call and you go, hey, how are you? I go, oh, do a rerun, please. Yeah. Thank God. Because <laughs> I, I was going to have to call everybody to come up to the room and everything. So yeah. sorry it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, this is my first time here at Freedom Fest. And, of course, you can go to FreedomFest.com to learn more about the event. Uh, you guys, I, I presume, I know Mark's been here a few times. Ernie, how many of these uh, have you been to? Uh, this is my third one, I think. Three in a row? No. Okay. No, I, I came early. I like during... Uh Probably 08 during okay. the Ron Paul thing. So we these have been going here. on a while then. These have been going for more than a decade, huh? Yeah. Mark Skousen was, um, I remember in 2000, August of 2001, Doug Casey has a thing called the Era Society that had gone for like 30 years since the, God, the 80s or something. And uh, we went to that in Aspen, Colorado, Mark Victor and I, partner on the Freedom Summit that we do every year. And... Mark was in charge of that particular year. It's called the Gold, had the Golden Apple. It was the Eris Society, it got us a chaos. Mm-hmm. And the Golden Apple, there was a party the gods were having. And, yeah, we don't want to invite, invite Eris. She's like a pain in the butt. So she took this apple, gold, and said to the fairest, and then threw it in the party, and they all argued over who it was for, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. That'll create chaos. So you get the Golden Apple, then you're kind of in charge of running it the following year. Well, Mark did it that year. And it kind of had this flavor. You know, it's a Republican, you know, God, country, America, Constitution kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and then he went on to some other stuff. And then I think Doug and the guys, the old libertarians, kind of were supportive of him starting this. So that started in, like, God, it had to be as early as 6, 06 or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. 05, 06. And it just kind of grew from that. And how a lot of the speakers you just request— Hey, I want to come present. You know, absolutely. We'll take your $1,000 and <laughs> do whatever, you know. So mm-hmm. there's not very many people that are requested here or invited or paid for or get it done. If you're here to participate, a lot of times you got to pay, you know, full boat plus. Interesting. To all, be you able have to to have is, it. all you have to do is look at the rooms with the chandeliers and all that stuff that's going on here, the $14 glasses of wine. I mean, yeah, it's an expensive a proposition to put this baby on. I it, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, this could be, it, be easily lots and lots and lots of money. I went last night. We were at that karaoke party, which yeah. freaking Mark and Ian belted it out. <laughs> you know, Mark did a good job, but Ian, oh my God, I was Ian like, put sing. him up again. <laughs> you know, and Ian can only, sing. It's a, it's the later guys that come out that like you know. Yeah, I'm going to show them what's up, you know. So then it's like a competing thing. But there were some uh, great singers. There really yeah, we, were some we got killer ours singers. Good, thanks. The, uh, yeah, we had the, the gold bills. Yeah, what was that that Utah we got? Utah Goldback. You were just saying we got ours to the Utah Goldback yeah, guy. Yeah, he was that checking was to make sure we got yeah, them. we did but, get them. But what are They're they? Beautiful. I mean, they, 
have this one printing company that can actually print. Valerum, I think. Yeah, they print gold foil into bills that you can make. There, there's Beautiful. one thing they had. They're, they're they're really they really are striking. Yeah. But one of them they had kind of like a paper wallet, like a crypto wallet, mm. and you open it and peel it, destroys it, and again, I'm like, why? I'm not even really sure. And then when you do it, you can't really quite make yeah. it out. I'm not. I, I'm not using that for a paper wallet. Just just give me the gold in it. We're done. You know. So I'm I'm hip to that. They were trying to combine the tech. So let's talk more about the event, though. Um, I I gotta say, I, I it kind of grew on me. You know, I wasn't expecting, oh, God, there's going to be conservative. I think I was expecting it to go, oh, God, it's going to be a bunch of conservatives. Um, but there's actually a fair amount of libertarians here, from, from what I can tell. I don't know what the percentage is. I don't know what the breakdown is of libertarians, voluntarists, anarchists to, you know, conservative types. Um, it would be interesting to In take a Trump poll. In the Trump era, it's gotten way more Trumpy. Really? Compared to before, it was it's kind of sold as a libertarian thing. Well, I mean, Trump, it is. Trump excites that means people. the conservatives are at a libertarian event, which means they have to behave themselves a bit more. Maybe so, and that's true. I did notice that in the you know the marketing when you look at the guidebook, it does say something about this is like the premier libertarian. They use the word libertarian. Yep. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but yeah, something about premier libertarian. Yeah, but event. for a libertarian to come here and say this represents libertarian, they're going right. No. Yeah, I know. It's got a lot. It's got a heavy conservative uh, feel to it, but I think that's a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing to mix in. You know, people of differing viewpoints and not just have the libertarians talking to themselves the entire right. time. I mean, certainly libertarians disagree on, you know, minutia and, you know, maybe an issue here or there or how far we should. Were you the there government. for the immigration debate? Uh, we had one of our own. You were there for that when uh, when Mark oh, and yeah, I were yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, no, that starts. Yeah, you, you start the word. Well, abortion and immigration will say boom, <laughs> yeah. and then everybody comes in. Right, and, then and like, whoa, 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 you disagree with me on this uh, yeah. really minute issue no, that has no bearing really on my well. life. I, I just sat back and watched that show. That was good. <laughs> yeah, well, we had our own little free. It was like our own little private free talk live show that we did. Yeah, uh, we actually got. I've got video. I haven't reviewed the footage yet, but it should be fine. Yeah, um, where. You you know, it was like eight o'clock at night on I think Thursday evening. Every, most people in the hotel are got off and partying, gambling, or doing whatever it is they do in in Vegas. And uh, so we had like maybe eight or so people in the in the room. And you and uh, Tim Pichot were there, uh, Ernie, and basically you know, a lot of questions for us, just as just as kind of libertarian oh, talk there show was hosts. More people started coming, and they're hanging at the door. Yeah, yeah, it's like about know, a dozen kinda, over the whole time. Yeah, it started. But then it turned into a dis- it, it did turn into a debate about immigration toward the end. And it was fine. You know, we. we fun but i had to just put a stop to it after you know we we'd been in there for an hour and a half and it i think it's we were, unfair to all the yeah. everybody who's in the room because right. each of them wants to have their say they want to yeah. be right they want to finish it up and that includes us yeah and at some point or another you just got to say all right well um i think i didn't i didn't expect yeah. us all to come to uh, agreement on this so it's time to go call the, in is what the I bars said. over there you know well the the doug casey wayne allen root candace owen and uh the guy from india i can't remember his name was there and as Doug and the India guy were arguing for uh, open borders, oh, and then okay. of course Candace and Wayne Allen Root got to shut it down. And Wayne Allen Root, the libertarian, Wayne Allen right. agrees with my proposition that people should be able to cross the border freely, so long as they aren't able to avail I think themselves. What your position is going. What what Mark is doing is saying, look, yeah, you can come here, you can work, you can do whatever, but you don't get the vote, and you don't get any entitlements, and you don't get any welfare, and you don't get, and people will go. 
Okay, you know, I, I can live with that. Probably every immigrant on the planet would, you know, be awesome. Right. Think that'd be awesome, but the Democrats won't. They right. just the left is like, no, we got to do it. Well, what happened before we run out of time? What happened is they go, all right, we'll just kind of get an idea. How many are for build the wall? I mean, mm-hmm. not you know, I mean, it's freaking build the wall. Two thirds of the audience yeah. were build the wall. That's ridiculous. A third were like, <laughs> you know, nah. Then at the end, all right, who changed their mind? Two people out of the hundreds that were in there <laughs> changed to go, yeah, maybe a little bit more restriction, or they just wanted to say they did. Uh-huh. So you didn't change anybody's mind on anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're pretty you know, knowledgeable here. The, the so, funny thing about building the wall is nobody makes any propositions for protecting the wall. Um, mm-hmm. Like, a wall... You wouldn't just We're going to have this immigration discussion today. Or they'll just, make that proposition every after time. a piece that gets destroyed. Right, right. After, right uh. after you spend $100 billion building a wall, because the government can't do it cheaply, then you've got to spend $100 billion every year manning the wall. That's right. And then you're going to take it down. I don't need this boondoggle, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, you know. That'll be the next proposal. You know, er, Ernie, we're, we're out of time, man, uh, but you know we can have you back on again. That's, yeah. that's no problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. as always. We always have you on. Uh, we love Ernie Hancock. Go to uh, freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their daily discount. Dispatch, and don't forget, you can listen to Ernie's show five days a week on LRN.FM. we got more coming up here from Freedom Fest 2019. It's Free Talk Live. We're at Freedom Fest 2019 on what is, uh, when we're recording this, the final day of the event. Uh, it's Ian and Mark here in our remote studio. Uh, Mark has now lost his phone somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if it uh, pops back up. It's not the kind of crowd that you would expect uh, a phone to get jacked off, you know, <laughs> from somebody. Uh, I mean, there's like high high dollar equipment that's just kind of being left left it around. It does here. seem like an odd thing to take. Yeah, and uh, you know, we haven't had any. Uh, nobody's reported any issues about that sort of thing. Seems like a pretty good group here. Um, as we continue, by the way, I want to say thank you to Bogart, who is a Free Talk Live gold amplifier, somebody who's supporting Free Talk Live with uh, $10 a month. Bogart is an amp, uh, ampl- amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And that means you want to help us, say, get on more radio stations so we can talk about the ideas of liberty and freedom and peace and cryptocurrency uh, to more radio listeners around the United States. We've got over 200 stations today. But we could have more. We could have 200 or three, excuse me, 300 or 400. You know, it's possible. Uh, but we do need uh, money to make that happen, to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. And this is a way for you to show that you appreciate what we do and you want to get behind our efforts. Bogart has done that for 10 bucks a month, but we only ask for 5 over at amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get some cool perks for doing that. That's ampamp.freetalklive.com. As we continue here, we've got Aaron Hamlin from the Center for Election Science. Uh, we met you, was it at, uh, last night? Was it at the karaoke or was it before karaoke? I think, I think it was before. Just before karaoke, uh, and which, by the way, was pretty awesome. Last yeah, it was night. fun. The karaoke was pretty great. Uh, so, Aaron, uh, I said, oh, I recognize election science. You guys have come to New Hampshire, and uh, you've testified on some of the, um, the alternative voting system bills. And that's... These things are so important. Uh, I don't even know if I like the term alternative. Well, they shouldn't be alternative. What I prefer is uh, a term like better, right? So, I mean, you know, the idea... Improved. Right. The idea of a democratic vote for a politician is probably about as old as Athens. At least that's as far back as we can go. And you'd think with, I don't know, modern mathematics, modern communications, modern understanding of human behavior, maybe we could come up with something slightly better than first past the post. Aaron, what are some of these ideas? 
Yeah, fortunately, there are better voting methods. The There's a lot better, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the voting method that we tend to advocate is a method called approval voting. Mm-hmm. So normally when you go to vote, you're forced in this terrible voting method where you choose only one candidate. And that's a real mess. So instead of uh, choosing just one candidate, uh, under approval voting, you can pick as many as you want. You're not ranking or doing anything complicated. You just pick as many as you want. Most votes wins. And this approach has a lot of advantages. You, it addresses vote splitting. You can always support your honest favorite no matter what. And it tends to elect a more consensus-style candidate. As uh, third-party you know, people, I, I've been involved with the Libertarian Party, for instance, for a long time. Uh, one of the most frustrating things is the wasted vote syndrome, which is where an individual will express that they might support your candidate. Like, oh, I like what your libertarian guy is saying. I would vote for him, but I really don't want that Republican or Democrat to get in. So they'll vote for either the Republican or Democrat, the one that you know they like the, uh, the most of the two. And, and, and uh, they call that wasted vote syndrome because, well, they fear that this other bad guy is going to get in, so they have to vote for somebody who they don't like as much because they don't think the Libertarian really has a chance to win. Uh, approval voting, as well as some of the other methods, there's some other uh, methods out there as well. Uh, what's, what's some of the other? Rank choice? Is that another one? Rank choice voting is another one, yes. Right. So approval voting, I like the best as well because it's the simplest. Ranked choice is where you like, oh, I like this one number one, this one's number two, this one's my third favorite, this one's my fourth favorite. And then you kind of have to like make all these decisions about which one you you like better than the other. You don't always know when it comes to these lying politicians. Uh, but with approval voting, the idea is you're just basically checking off the ones that you'd be all right with if they won. So, you know, maybe you'd be all right if the Democrat and the Libertarian won, or maybe you'd be all right if the Republican and the Libertarian won. You could check two of them, or check all three if you want. There's no limit on this, or if you just really like one, you can check one. So you don't have to really worry about figuring out which one's your favorite or ranking and writing numbers down. This is the most simple method possible, and it, it just and and for what I from what I understand, it also doesn't really require much of a change as far as how the voting systems work, right? Like it's the easiest change to implement. That's right. Yeah, and in fact, one of the cities that we're looking at next, which is St. Louis, Missouri, one of the big factors that they had was the fiscal cost for changing machines. Other other voting methods, such as ranked choice voting, it would have cost them several million dollars. Yeah. Whereas with approval voting, you don't need special voting machines. It works on even the dumbest of voting machines. You can run it with paper ballots. They're really, uh, you don't have the same kind of barriers with approval voting that you do with other voting methods, just from a practical sense. See, right, with approval voting, you have the same thing, the same setup that same you currently have. Same, same ballot you currently yeah. have. Instead of bu- tr- make one choice, you have as many options as you'd like um, within that. So let's say that there's, uh, you know, four candidates, one from the Republicans, one from the Democrats, one from the Libertarians, one from the Greens, right? You can um, pick among those candidates, which ones, you know, would be acceptable to you to be in the office and the which ones are not acceptable. You just leave un, uh, unbubbled, I guess, is the, the term. So you mark the ones you like, you mark the one, you don't mark the ones you want. Instead of just picking one, you know, pick one candidate, uh, you can pick more than one. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it makes a huge difference being able to support your honest favorite candidate under approval voting, right. which you can always do. Uh, so, for example, in 2016, we ran a nationally representative poll and uh, asked people to 
say how they would vote under different voting methods, including approval voting when you can pick more than one candidate. Under approval voting, Gary Johnson got uh, roughly 21% approval versus under our current choose one voting method uh, in the election, he got 3%, which is right. far less. Now, where was that happening? Where, how did you get those numbers? So we outsourced the polling itself to a polling company called GFK. They do international polling. And we uh, polled people who were registered to vote in the U.S. and got a nationally representative sample. Very cool. Now, what is the big objection? Because obviously there hasn't been a big run uh, from state governments to get on board with this. This, uh, you know, In New Hampshire, when these proposals have come up, they usually don't even make it out of committee. You know, or they'll, they'll come out with a, you know, blow this thing away kind of recommendation. They don't want it. What are the objections that, that people have? Uh, one of the largest ones has been that this has been something that hasn't been used in U.S. governmental elections. And so the way that we've been able to rectify that is to show proof of concept. And we've started in the city of Fargo, North Dakota, which we successfully ran a ballot initiative with uh, uh, local community members there. Mm-hmm. And it passed last year by 63.5%. Wow. So when you can actually get to the people and explain this to the people, they understand it and they say, yeah, let's do this. Whereas the politicians are like, yeah, no, we don't want those third parties to have any kind of you know, That's additional right. Turns benefit. out the Republicans and the Democrats <laughs> really don't like giving up their little duopoly. Yeah, that's right. And so to, to get around that, we don't even ask them. We do ballot initiatives. We ask the people, the people that matter. Right. Yeah. Which, of course, we can't do in New Hampshire. <laughs> so we've got to get it through these, uh, these old people. Now, in Maine, uh, there are ballot initiatives. And I believe that it wasn't approval voting. Wasn't it ranked choice that, that passed in Maine recently? Right. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, is that going to be implemented this year? Do you happen to f- follow that closely? Yeah, I... Uh, they were having some issues with uh, the implementation overall, but I think mm-hmm. they're going to be uh, doing that soon. Uh, for so by twenty twenty for sure, probably right, or is it yeah, only and, state? And uh, they, I believe it's some state and some local elections mm-hmm. there, and they've been able to do some already uh, as well. So this is something that's already going into play in terms of using ranked choice voting in Maine, which. Uh, sometimes I'm critical about ranked choice voting, but it's yep. it's also important to note that uh, ranked choice voting is a step up from the way that we're uh, currently doing elections. So yep. when we have elections where there's, uh, say, a third party or independent candidate that doesn't have a lot of support, uh, it's ranked choice voting does a good job in transferring that support to a major party mm-hmm. so that you don't have the spoiler effect. So what are your critiques of uh, ranked cho- choice voting? I mean, it seems like, a to me, a better system, just more expensive to implement. Answer this in 20 seconds, please. <laughs> Uh, so uh, ranked choice voting can still have uh, vote splitting among first choice preferences so that the candidate in the middle can get squeezed out. Uh, and also, uh, because you can't choose your honest favorite every time and because of the way that ranked choice voting tabulates uh, information, you don't really get that same kind of reflection of support for third parties and independents as we would like to see. Uh, so when these candidates are running, we want to see that accurate reflection of support so we see how good their ideas are. But... Uh, you don't quite get that same picture as you do under approval voting, which is really, really clear. He's Aaron Hamlin from the Center. 
for Election Science. You can go to electionscience.org and learn more about what they're up to. Maybe find out if they're active uh, with some sort of ballot measure in your state. Possibly help out. Uh, hit the uh, streets, do some petitioning, and try to change the ballot for the better. This can happen if enough people get involved, and that means better choices. Uh, they're still probably going to be mostly crappy because they're politicians, but at least you'll be able to feel better about being able to vote uh, for the ones that uh, you most support. Check them out over at electionscience.org. And uh, that wraps up another day of broadcasting here from Freedom Fest 2019. It's free talk live. Are you a cryptocurrency advocate? The Crypto Tip is the ideal outreach tool to help new people discover cryptocurrency. It's a printable business card sized tip that you can give to service providers, preferably in addition to a good cash tip. When the server scans the QR code, it'll bring up an explanation of cryptocurrency, how to install a wallet, and allow them to claim the tip. If they don't claim the crypto, you get your tip refunded to you after a time period you specify. Plus, if they do claim the tip, you get an email alert. Create as many tips as you want at cryptotip.org. That's cryptotip.org.